Welcome to Teacher Quit Talk. I'm Miss Redacted. And I'm Mrs. Frazzled. Every week we explore the teacher exodus to find out what, if anything, could get these educators back in the classroom. We've all had our moments where we thought, what the hell am I doing here? From burnout to bureaucracy to soul-sucking stressors and creative dead ends. From recognizing when it was time to go to navigating feelings of guilt and regret afterwards, we're here to cut out the gaslighting and get real about what it means to leave teaching. We've got insights from former teachers from all over the country who have seen it all. So get ready to be disturbed. Join us on Teacher Quit talk to laugh through the pain of the U.S. education system. We'll see you there. Thanks to Skillshare for supporting Muller She Wrote. Skillshare is offering Muller She Wrote listeners two months of unlimited access to over 20,000 classes for just 99 cents. To sign up, go to Skillshare.com AG. Again, that's Skillshare.com AG to get two months of unlimited access of over 20,000 classes for just 99 cents. So to be clear, Mr. Trump has no financial relationships with any Russian oligarchs. That, that's what he said. I, I, that's what I said. That's obviously what the, the, our position is. I'm not aware of uh, any of those activities. I have been called a surrogate at a time or two in that campaign, and I didn't have not have communications with the Russians. What do I have to get involved with Putin for? I have nothing to do with Putin. I've never spoken to him. I don't know anything about him other than he will respect me. Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. So, it is political. You're a communist. No, Mr. Green. Communism is just a red herring. Like all members of the oldest profession, I'm a capitalist. Hello, and welcome to Muller She Wrote. I'm your host, A.G. With me, as always, is the incomparable Julissa Johnson. <laughs> Hello. And the sexy vocal stylings of Jordan Coburn. Hello. <laughs> I'm happy to announce uh, the news slowed way down this week. We only had uh, one target letter for an indictment, one cooperation agreement, a lawsuit against Giuliani, another Corsi meltdown, Papadop running for Congress, <laughs> unsealing part of the dossier, findings from the struck tasks, oops, texts, a referendum on Khashoggi, a Trump pack drawing scrutiny, Pecker's papers flipping, a Chicago alderman raid, <laughs> another attorney general that should probably recuse himself, a D.C. appellate court blackout for a secret subpoena battle, one guilty plea, four complaints of harassment at a Trump golf club, three obstructions of justice, two inaugural fun scandals, and a threat to shut down the government. Oh, my God. Thank you. That was incredible. Thank that's you. We'll be back so next week. Impressive. <laughs> yeah, that's all we should do from now on. Just, just in song. Just sing it? Yeah. Nice. I like it. Did you practice with the cats or the, or no, the pup? No, no, no. no, no nice. Just, uh, <clears throat> that text part got away from me, but that's okay. It's Struck beautiful. texts is hard to say. <laughs> uh, we have some amazing guests for you this week, including Elizabeth McLaughlin from Resistance Live and from Slate's Trump cast and the LA Times, the incomparable Virginia Heffernan. Jordan is going to be discussing the lawsuit against the FBI, New York Field Office, for leaking sensitive information to Rudy Giuliani. And Jaleesa is going to be reporting on uh, the New York Post story about the New Jersey Attorney General probing Trump's golf club after undocumented maids claim racially charged harassment and threats. Uh, I'll be going over the Cohen news for the week. Uh, but first, I want to thank uh, somebody sent us a giant box of beans. <laughs> From Rancho Gordo. It's a comically large amount of beans. It's it, <laughs> it's like 12 bags of beans. <laughs> it, it's a lot of beans. And then like boxes with spices and stuff. But yeah. these are like apparently the like most premium beans you can buy in the universe. Uh, and I still don't know who sent them. 
I do. Oh my gosh, who was it? It was uh, President Joe Provo on Twitter as Jay Provo. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so thank you for that, Joe. Mr. Provo. My new you. favorite president. Well, second. Yeah. <laughs> do you um, eat beans, Julissa? No. <laughs> I think she puts those in the vegetable category. Yeah, yeah. I think so too. Thank yeah. You. So we have one uh, vegetarian and one person who will not eat vegetables. Only meat. And then I eat whatever is in front of my face. Hey. So it all works out, uh, sort of, except for the people who have to deal with our writer. Um, <laughs> also, shout out to Maya Wiley, who we've just been referring to as that beautiful lawyer lady. Uh, <laughs> no offense intended there. Uh, she's just been that lovely lawyer lady. That's she's super amazing. smart, incredible lawyer lady. Uh, her name is Maya Wiley. She is a person. And uh, she's the one who talked Nunberg off the cliff. Mm-hmm. Remember when Nunberg got all drunk and high? And yeah. On air? Yeah. Yeah. Went yeah. full Nunberg. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's the one who's like, dude, don't do that. You'll go to jail. And he's like, really? <laughs> she, Has like, anyone checked your, up on him lately? Did your lawyers mm-hmm. not tell you that? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I feel like Maya might check up on him. She seems really sweet like that. I saw that picture of Artie Lang this week. I thought it was him, but it's not. Dude, Artie's been having a Twitter meltdown. This is like Twitter meltdown week. Uh, well... Trump had one too. That was pretty fun yeah, today. Yeah, totally. We should have one. Uh, we do. No, let's not do that. <laughs> uh, we do have some corrections from last week. I mistakenly referred to Mike Flynn as an admiral. He's actually an army general. Sorry about that. As a veteran, I should know, but frankly, I don't give a shit about Mike Flynn. He's a traitor <laughs> and he should be held to a higher standard. The end. Um, though I appreciate the need for Mueller to set an example that cooperating witnesses get leniency. So I get it. But mm, fuck that guy. Uh, also, in our book club episode for patrons, uh, we said the BMW plant was in North Carolina. I've been told it's actually in South Carolina. Oops, no. that was me. Ah, I Sorry. wasn't going to say, but <laughs> wait a minute, I was going to take the bullet for you, man. Thanks. My bad. Sorry, South Carolina. Carolina. <laughs> God, you sound like the Kim Jong-un puppet in Team America World Police. Oh, that's good. Matt Damon. <clears throat> all right. Well, <clears throat> sorry. With all that out of the way, we have a ton of news to get to. So let's jump in with just the facts. All right, guys. We're going to have to go all the way back to Sunday for a story that dropped around, uh, dropped about Jerome Corsi. As you may know, Corsi is a Stone associate, and he's one of the architects of the birther movement questioning the citizenship of Barack Obama. He's currently pulling a half Nunberg uh, by resisting a subpoena by Mueller and the Senate. Uh, and late Sunday night, he filed a lawsuit against Mueller, accusing him of constitutional violations and leaking grand jury secrets. Mm. Um, it also accuses Mueller of badgering Corsi into giving false testimony. Uh, that he was one of the cutouts between Roger Stone and WikiLeaks. Never mind that Mueller has the emails he wrote back and forth <laughs> between Roger Stone and Ted Malik, a guy in London who he was using to contact Assange from WikiLeaks while he was holed up in the uh, Ecuadorian embassy. Remember mm-hmm. that? He's still there with his cat. Yeah. How many times do people try to do that now, discount prosecution against them, but on account of Mueller being like, you know, illegally operating? You got Miller a couple of times, There's at least, like, four right now. Yeah. Yeah, every single filing like that, challenging his constitutionality, they've lost. Mueller's still batting a thousand on that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Corsi was also the guy who released his draft plea agreement that Mueller gave him, offering no jail time uh, from Mueller in exchange for his testimony, corroborating the email and documentary evidence he already has. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Jordan and I thought he would go full Nunberg and cave to the grand jury subpoena, but he clearly has lost his mind. Um, the suit goes on to blame Mueller for the leaks to the press about his case when Corsi is the one who released his draft plea agreement, not to mention the numerous sit-down television interviews Corsi has done. He's absolutely insane. Uh, we'll keep you posted on how this suit goes uh, and if he even or ever gives into a plea agreement, though presumably Mueller wouldn't offer him the same deal now. I wouldn't. I'd be like, too late. Yeah, no, no way. Uh, then Monday, NPR reported that it had appeared 
Maria Butina. I've been saying Butina. Apparently, it's Butina. Yeah, the whole news like is is doing that now. Butina. Yeah, Butina. Yeah. Um, well, we called him Mueller when we first started. So <laughs> True. Yeah, you know, yeah. We have correct. Anyway, NPR reported that she was going to change her plea from not guilty to guilty, and on Wednesday she obliged. So, uh, congrats to everyone that had a Butina plea. Sorry, a Butina <laughs> plea agreement on their fantasy indictment league. Uh, I changed my pick from a Corsi plea agreement to a Butina plea agreement the minute the news dropped Sunday night about Corsi's lawsuit. And uh, not only did Butina agree to plead guilty to one of the two counts she was initially charged with, but she signed a cooperation agreement. And this is amazing. A Russian has agreed to work on behalf of U.S. intelligence and law enforcement. And, and what's amazing about it is that it, one of the last paragraphs of the deal says that she will be deported back to Russia when the government is done with her. Um, and at first I thought they'd probably disappear Butina when, or Butina when she got back to Russia. But Russian state television is now accusing the United States law enforcement uh, prosecutors of torturing her, <laughs> despite her defense lawyer asserting she's in great mental health. So um, she may return to Russia the way Anna Chapman did as a hero. And Anna Chapman was one of those 10 Russian spies living in the U.S., working to undermine U.S. intelligence and U.S. government. And they were all caught by Peter Strzok, by the way. Um, now the agreement... And the plea itself, um, it, it doesn't have a lot of new information, guys. I'll be honest. If you're an MSW listener, you've heard all this. It, it mostly mirrors the charging document we broke down in detail a few months ago when she pleaded not guilty. We, uh, we know she wrote a whole plan to infiltrate the NRA. We know that Paul Erickson, her Republican boyfriend, Beauty and the Beast guy, <laughs> helped beard. her write the plan. <laughs> yeah, her NRA beard. Um, we knew she arranged the prayer breakfast at the, and the 2015 trip of NRA officials to Moscow, which included several high-ranking NRA officials like the president and the soon-to-be president. It was uh, the Milwaukee Nutcase Sheriff, David Clark, was there, the guy who wears all the flair, uh, and the guy from the Outdoor Network, the CEO of that. So there's not much there we didn't know about. But now she's cooperating with the government, and she'll be testifying to the grand jury in this case. Um, it's important to note, though, that her case is not part of the Mueller investigation. This is just a separate and ongoing probe into Russian infiltration into the Republican Party through wedge issue groups like the NRA, religious groups, uh, anti-LGBTQ plus activist groups. Um, and we'll be keeping a close eye on the Red Devil, so we'll keep you posted. <laughs> yes, yeah, starring Angela Jolie, I'm sure. Red beans. Yeah, rice. <laughs> red beans. Um, also, Monday, we learned that a watchdog group is suing the New York FBI field office for leaking to Rudy Giuliani. And Jordan is going to tell us about that later in the show. Yep. Uh, Tuesday, there was a hearing for Manafort where we expected his defense to push back against the Mueller breach of plea filing, outlining all the lies he told after his cooperation agreement that came out last Friday. But uh, Manafort's lawyers didn't seem to know where the case was going. And uh, that's really out of character for a defense um, so it was really odd. But maybe they're in further communications with prosecutors because of what was outlined in the Mueller filing that could implicate Manafort and his lawyers for communicating with Trump and his legal team after the plea agreement was reached. Or, or maybe they're realizing um, all the additional charges for crimes of collusion that Manafort faces. But I figure he would have known that before. But uh, either way, Manafort's uh, breach of plea hearing will happen January 25th. Uh, and something's weird. I don't know what it is, but something's... They're not fighting it like a like a normal defense team would fight it. So hmm. we'll let you know what happened. They said nothing. They filed nothing in response. Uh, well, they were at a hearing physically there, and they're like, mm. "Hey, hey, how's it going?" <laughs> <laughs> and the judge is like, "What do you want to do?" And they're like, "We don't know yet. We're figuring it out." They're just like, "Don't move," because every time they move, he does something illegal, <laughs> and it just adds another thing down the line. Everything yeah. he does, everything that comes out of their mouth, is just 
a lie that is like punishable by law. It's insane. Probably the first guy in history that has to wear ankle monitors in jail. Right? Like, <laughs> crimes yeah. upon crimes. No spoons for Manafort. And something I'm dying to know about Manafort is that $125,000 debt payment mentioned in Mueller's breach of plea filing last week. Everyone sort of just skipped over that part. But as we know, every word in Mueller filings are deliberate, right? They have purpose. And the language is, here's the language from, from the document. Quote, after signing the plea agreement, Manafort lied about a $125,000 payment made toward a debt incurred by Manafort to a firm working for Manafort in 2017. Records establish that the payment came from another firm, Firm A, which uh, performed work for an entity, Entity B. Manafort made several inconsistent statements about this payment. He said that it was a repayment of a debt owed to Manafort by the head of Entity B, whereas banking records show that the payment came from Firm A. And he also said that it was income to Manafort for work performed for Firm A in the past and that it was a loan from Firm A to Manafort. And that's also a lie. So anyway, those are the facts. Here's some conjecture. Uh, One option of this payment involves Gates. During Gates' trial, he said that he had a bunch of affairs, right, and used false expense reports to skim money to give to his girlfriends. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And in one instance, i got to see them. Uh, And in one instance, Gates, you know how, like, somebody cuts you off and you want to pull up and just see their face? (laughs) Like, I want to see who these women are. Yeah. And in one instance, Gates submitted a false invoice to cause Global Endeavor to transfer $125,000 into a different company called Bade LLC, which Gates also controlled. And maybe Global Endeavor came after Manafort for the money, or maybe it was a debt owed to the Skadden firm for the whitewashed report on Yanukovych's opponent, Temeshenko. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the whole Vanderswan thing. He was involved in that when Manafort was recruiting EU officials to uh, lobby on behalf of Yanukovych. Or maybe it's a payment he sent to the same two EU witnesses that he attempted to suborn perjury from, right? Remember that? Mm-hmm. Um, he Maybe he was paying them to say they weren't really actually lobbying for foreign interests and that registering for FARA wasn't necessary. But in either case, do not overlook this payment. Mueller would not have included it if it weren't relevant to the core investigation, which actually leads me to believe that this is the truth thing that happened. It's that it's a payment from Trump, from a Trump super PAC to Manafort. Manafort sent two of his buddies to run this PAC for free. So that could be payment for them. Or perhaps this was how Manafort was getting paid to run the campaign, which would explain the constant bragging by both men that Manafort was working for free. Right. When in actuality he wasn't. Maybe the PACs were paying him through these shell companies uh, because PACs can't have direct... Uh, Ill- or, you know, coordination between the PAC and the campaign. That's illegal. Yeah. Um, it also would be an illegal campaign contribution, and it also would constitute failure to report campaign donations. So there's like three felonies in there. And this could lead prosecutors to proving that foreign money was funneled through third-party groups like the NRA to Trump PACs and then use that money to finance the campaign directly, whether it's that NRA-coordinated ad buy mm-hmm. or just paying people like Manafort Mm -hmm. and having him lie about it six times. (laughs) Um, That could be one of the many links of collusion and aiding and abetting. Yeah. Um, In any case, but God, so many beans. Yeah, and it's a really good point that you mentioned speculation because I think that's probably more on the nose, but right now they can't officially say that the Butina case is about Russia or, you know, the collusion because no one's speculating in that area yet. But I don't know. I think that my one of those beans that come true, that would be interesting. Well, we do have a huge box of beans. Yeah. Just in case. 
And finally in Manafort news, we learned from Vox that Manafort had advised the White House on how to attack and discredit the investigation and the FBI, according to documents and interviews with individuals familiar with the matter. This ties into the Mueller breach of plea agreement showing that Manafort lied about having ongoing contact with anyone in the White House, right? Additionally, Manafort uh, advised White House officials in the spring and summer of 2017 on how to undermine the FBI and Mueller um, in three ways. And he gave this advice. Um, basically, he was like, here's how you can intimidate and discredit witnesses in the Mueller probe as well. And the first way that he did that he was going to um, attack, for the well, I guess the first of the three pillars of his plan <laughs> was to attack the FBI directly to delegitimize the investigation. This included discrediting James Comey and other senior FBI officials like Strzok and Baker and Gottis and McCabe, anyone that could be a witness against the president. Mm-hmm. For a year now, we've been referring to these guys as the Comey Five. These are the officials that Comey shared his contemporaneous notes with about the meetings he had with Trump. And now they're all fired or retired. Yeah, so that campaign actually happened. They smeared them all. Yeah, mm-hmm. check. They did that. What was the second one? Chick. It's like um, a, a workout tape or something. <laughs> another part of the discredit the FBI strategy, we're still on pillar one, was to discredit the FISA warrant against Carter Page by falsely saying it was based wholly on the Steele dossier, which um, was a torch that was also carried by your ex-boyfriend, Nunes. Devin Nunes. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's definitely in on all of this. <laughs> Nunes also comes into my hot note, actually. Oh, foreshadowing. Because yes. you miss him? No. Fuck that guy. <laughs> Uh, also to say, <clears throat> also another thing was to say that Obama was wiretapping him. Remember mm-hmm. that thing? That was a lie. So that was a strategy from the pillars of Manafort's plan? Of the oh. first pillar of the FBI. Crazy. One of three pillars. The second strategy, we're on pillar two now, is to discredit the investigation by attacking the DNC. And they did this mostly with the express uh, assistance of Matthew fucking Whitaker <laughs> when they tried to discredit Alexandra Chalupa. She's a pro-Ukrainian strategist in the DNC. So they spent a lot of time trying to just fuck her life up yeah finally the third pillar attack clinton and the dossier Uh, that strategy helps undermine the fbi and the fisa warrant um, against carter page so all of this amounts to conspiracy to lie aid and abet and possibly obstruct justice and all of that coming to light might explain why manafort's lawyers aside from the fact that they're also in trouble for improper communications with the white house didn't know how to act in that manafort hearing this week (laughs) they're like which crime (laughs) (laughs) we can't even remember yeah Uh, but one thing is for certain manafort is fucked fucked nice you know i don't know how i feel about that one i'm a little (laughs) hoarse today guys but for not knowing it was coming yeah well done we should have known so many people were fucked this week we never plan it ag always throws it on us which i I like it's always manafort yeah We learned Tuesday that William Barr, who Trump nominated last week to be the new attorney general, might have to recuse himself from all things Mueller. Uh, According to reporting from NBC, Trump actually reached out to Barr uh, because he wanted him to be his lawyer, his personal lawyer for the Russia investigation. And that outreach could pose a conflict of interest. I I say it does. Um, uh, Good Responsible journalism says it could. Um, (laughs) But I have no doubt that um, any Democrats in the Barr confirmation hearings will ask for his recusal based on the personal consideration as bar for Trump's Russia lawyer. Legal beans. <laughs> All right, this is good. <clears throat> on Wednesday, I have to get ready. Mm-hmm. Wednesday, 44 former Republican and Democratic senators penned a letter to current senators urging them to stand in defense of democracy. Here's what it says. I'm just going to read you the letter. It's pretty good. 
I feel like I need music. Like, I feel like yeah. I need like the do, the suspense do, is do, building do, for do, sure. Do, 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 do. Yeah. Like, so like an Independence Day type shit. of monologue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. All right. As former members of the U.S. Senate, Democrats and Republicans alike, it is our shared view that we are entering a dangerous period and we feel an obligation to speak up about serious challenges to the rule of law, the Constitution, our governing institutions, and our national security. We are on the eve of the conclusion of Special Counsel, Counsel Robert S. Mueller III's investigation and the House's commencement of investigations of the President and his administration. The likely convergence of these two events will occur at a time when simmering regional conflicts and global power confrontations continue to threaten our security, economy, and geopolitical stability. Trump is not going to understand most of these words. I know. You lost them at Robert Swan. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Here we go. It is a time, like other critical junctures in our history, when our nation must engage at every level with strategic precision and the hand of both the president and the Senate. We are at an inflection point in which the foundational principles of democracy and our national security interests are at stake, and the rule of law and the ability of our institutions to function freely and independently must be upheld. During our service in the Senate, at times we were allies and at other times opponents, but never enemies. We all took an oath swearing allegiance to the Constitution. Whatever united or divided us, we did not veer from our unwavering and shared commitment to placing our country, democracy, and national interest above all else. At other critical moments in our history, when constitutional crises have threatened our foundations, it has been the Senate that has stood in defense of our democracy. Today is, once again, such a time. Regardless of any party affiliation, ideological leanings, or geography, as former members of this great body, we urge current and future senators to be steadfast and zealous guardians of our democracy by ensuring that partisanship or self-interest not replace national interest. Wow, that's beautiful. Yeah, he's not going to understand any of that. No. He need, you know, like there's ESL translators. He needs someone that just sits there with like a big like white paper pad and just draws pictures. Somebody just oh, yeah. like, like a pictionary version of "Don't ex- be a dick." Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, that's like beautiful. It. That was bipartisan. You said. Yeah, Amazing. and they're leaving Congress. So. Forty-four. No, these are forty-four senators from that aren't senators anymore. Okay, former, forty-four former senators. Yeah, mm-hmm. which yeah. is still beautiful, but I, I wish it were like the current body. That well, would they're be more... t- they're talking to the current body. Yeah, they're saying, "Hey, you guys, hey, better you listen." Guys. I'm just worried they won't listen. I'm so weary about the Senate. I know you've mentioned before that you like. Well, it's harder than... now because the because of the last election. True, the we won the House by the biggest margin in midterm mm-hmm. history of uh, the history of midterms, um, nine million plus votes. Wow. Um, but in the Senate. We lost a lot of centrist Republicans and moderates mm-hmm. um, to uh, to even be pushed more toward like Trump sycophants. So yeah, it, it is not the best in the Senate. But there's some good news coming up in the second part of the show about Ooh. something that the resolution that the Senate voted on this week. I think it'll make you guys all happy. Okay, so stick yeah. around. We'll be right back. Hey, Muller Junkies. Skillshare is an online learning platform, and I absolutely love it. It's got over 20,000 different classes you can take in art, design, uh, business, and technology, which is really important to me because now that I've got, I'm done with school, right? But you can't just stop learning. I'm, I'm really big on lifelong learning, and that's why I really enjoy uh, using Skillshare. In fact, uh, Jordan, you went on and checked out what what class was it that you were taking this week? Yeah, I took a class on how to not procrastinate, which is a huge problem in my life. I have a lot of stuff going on. I'm really bad at prioritizing time. My brain's all over the place, so I needed a resource to teach me how to like 
you know, list out how I can do things, skills for doing that, and it was, it was great. It was very simple, easy to follow, very likable people on the other side of the camera. They're just talking to you. It doesn't feel didactic. It's awesome. Oh, that's awesome. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like they're talking right to you. Definitely. Oh, that's mm-hmm. really I like good. that. Yeah, yeah. I, I need that kind of intimacy when I'm doing classes. I don't want to feel like I'm just one of the random Right, like, yeah, Yeah. you're just like a number, right? They really do personally, it makes you feel like you're just one-on-one. So, and we have a special offer just for our listeners. Go to Skillshare.com slash AG, and you will get two months of Skillshare for just 99 cents. That is 99 cents, you guys. Yeah, guys, it's really awesome. You need to check it out. Join the millions of people already learning on Skillshare today. Skillshare, just for Muller Junkies, two months of unlimited access to over 20,000 classes for just 99 cents. Guys, all you have to do to sign up is go to Skillshare.com slash AG. You'll be glad you did. All right, welcome back, everybody. Uh, we are on Wednesday, and we learned Wednesday that uh, when the FBI raided the offices of Alderman Burke, they seized his cell phone. Uh, it's unclear why, though. Um, we've learned throughout this whole investigation uh, that when law enforcement seizes cell phones, it's usually trying to dig into messenger apps like Signal or Dust, or it's to find out where that person was by using that triangulation shit that they mm-hmm. do. Uh, remember when they took Manafort's five mobile phones last March? <laughs> five. <laughs> five mobile phones. Uh, and we posited that they must have been trying to coordinate his whereabouts, specifically his meetings with Kalimnik and how they coordinated with Deripaska. And then, bam, in his breach filing, uh, they mentioned his meetings with Kalimnik. So that's just beans. And then, bam, his breach filing mentioned his meetings with Kalimnik. And, and they were probably were able to coordinate that by using his cell phone. Mm-hmm. Um, we learned Friday, though, that Burke's office was raided a second time on Thursday night uh, because Friday morning, Alderman Burke came into work and he parked in the back and he just didn't say anything. <laughs> um, it was two weeks ago that they raided his office and papered over the front doors and the windows. And they not only raided his city hall office, but his ward office as well. And when asked for comment, Burke said, uh, I don't have any reaction. You know about as much as I do. So. That's kind of weird. I'm yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah. No reaction. Not you have even no angry. idea what this is about. <laughs> Rolling through all the crimes, like which one did they get me on? Yeah. Uh, then Tuesday night, Flynn's defense document came out, and there was a massive appendix. First of all, full of letters of support from family and friends and shit. And then there was a separate filing of his military accomplishments. What the hell is that? These are my words, mother, from army. The seal is for marksmanship. And the gorilla is for sand racing. And and those military records were super redacted. They didn't even bother making the black bars. They just solid black page. Total waste of toner. <laughs> um, and just covering up where he waterboarded people, probably. Uh, and most of the rest of the document sounded a lot like Mueller's filing that came out last Friday, saying, you know, he's a lieutenant general, long and decorated past. He's cooperated super hard with investigators. He loves his wife. But then it got pissy, Okay. Flynn's lawyers started to outline a defense saying it was the FBI's fault that Flynn lied to them because they did not tell him it was a crime to lie to them ahead of time. (laughs) Yeah, I've heard that excuse before in relationships. (laughs) You didn't tell me. (laughs) You didn't tell me I couldn't stab your dog in the eye. Oh, I figured that was just known. Did that happen, A.G.? No. It's very specific. Sounded very specific. (laughs) (laughs) Just pulled it out of nowhere. Uh, It also mentioned, first of all, he also, by the way, by name, it mentioned McCabe and Strzok in an apparent effort to make sure everyone knows that those two guys were involved because they're, you know, they're they're whipping boys for the Republican Party. Mm -hmm. Um, According to the filing, McCabe called Flynn and said, hey, 
sending two guys your way. Finger guns. Um, <laughs> you can have McGann present if you want. And Flynn asked if it was about the Russia stuff. He just and straight up said McCabe it. McCabe goes, yep. <laughs> That's right, buddy. To which Flynn said, no need to have McGann there. And then Strzok and another guy showed up. And frankly, if they weren't only interested in throwing out Strzok's name, uh, you know, like I said, who the GOP has been trying to unsuccessfully discredit for months, they would have mentioned the other guy's name. Mm-hmm. But they didn't. Exactly. Because they're assholes. Yeah, it's not fair that McCabe is getting short into this. Or struck, yeah. Yeah, or struck, There are like yeah. eight guys involved in like McCabe and struck and six guys. And it's like, I know what you're fucking the doing. The scapegoats, mm-hmm. you're right. Yeah, so it, it, it then said, it went on to say Flynn was treated well and the meeting was congenial and happy and he felt relaxed and jocular. Uh, and jocular. Flynn's lawyers, that sounds weird. And Flynn's lawyer, like they played like a jock. foosball or something. Yeah, jocular. And Flynn's lawyers accused the FBI of a shady interrogation tactics by making Flynn so comfortable and not telling him lying to them is a crime. And this really pissed me off, as you know, if you follow me on Twitter, <laughs> because I tweeted before this filing um, a couple nights ago that if I were Mueller, I would bite back in my response filing, which was due Friday by 3 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, well, beans come true because Mueller hit back in a seven-page pimp slap saying... <laughs> Quote, a sitting national security advisor, former head of an intelligence agency, retired lieutenant general and 33-year veteran of the armed forces knows he should not lie to federal agents, unquote. And sad that he even has to say it, but also just very beautifully written. It is. And I I, I wanted him to because I was like, you you had no jail time. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, why offered. did you have to be why an asshole? Why did you have to be a little dick about it? Was it his lawyers, or do you think it's coming from Flynn more than anything? Well, his lawyers would have had to approve it. Yeah. Um, Mo- they wrote it. Mueller also brings up the fact that Flynn had cooked up these lies weeks earlier when he told them to the public and then to Mike Pence. So basically, girl, please. Uh-huh. Uh, my favorite part is at the end. Instead of saying no jail time, Mueller subtly switches to recommending sentencing on the low end of the gui- guideline Ooh. range. And what's weird is that mainstream media, CNN, they're all saying Mueller's still recommending no jail time. But that's not how I read it. The first recommendation, the first filing said this, quote, given the defendant's substantial assistance and other considerations set forth below, a sentence at the low end of the guideline range, including a sentence that does not impose a term of incarceration, is appropriate and warranted. Right. That's the first thing he said, right? But in the second filing, after Flynn went after the FBI, the language changed. It now reads... Quote, his cooperation and military service continue to justify a sentence at the low end of the guideline range. Ooh. Period. Yeah. Mueller yeah. took out the language, including a sentence that does not impose a term of incarceration. And I think that that's significant. I think, I think so it's too. a huge difference. And I don't understand why mainstream media thinks it's the same. I happen to think that uh, the judge won't take too kindly to badmouthing the FBI either and might just give him jail time. And Joyce Vance actually said on Maddow, that Sullivan, Judge Sullivan, has been known to give jail time even when both sides say it's not necessary. Yeah. I think mainstream media isn't often very keen to things. They they cover things well often, but just not very in-depth. That's why I think there's a difference here. It's like they don't pick up on the little details like that. And I think it is just as important what Mueller's not saying. But yeah. they normally don't do that speculation. Yeah, they're like, it's the same. I'm like, no, it's not. It's, it's not so the same either. at all. It's yeah. very different. Um, it's subtle, but subtlety is everything. Absolutely. Yeah. Why are there are like a lot of liars that are doing that, trying to 
like accuse them of suborning perjury on themselves or something <laughs> like they led me into lying it's yeah. like what yeah. no you're public servants you absolutely know this and it's like a it's like if you rob a bank and then you just make it past the censors and you're like ah and then you <laughs> sigh and celebrate or something and yeah. then it sets off the alarm that's a very long-winded analogy but you get my point no, here I, I it's just it. keep the bit going yeah i told my ex yeah. before like you made me do this <laughs> you know it's like no it's my fault you know like oh well yeah i just mean like he was already there he was already past the finish line yeah all he yeah. had to do was just oh, shut the fuck up about it yeah. And then, yeah 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 and just then, stand there in his uniform like a fucking guy and and be like i was in the military here's all the shit be i've good done boy and just be quiet salute thank yeah. you yeah and he he might have gotten no jail time but instead, right he got all saucy for some reason saucy yeah. i wonder why yeah these well, people are getting cocky also like pop it up too now he's saying he's going to run for Congress? Oh, we'll get there. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, oh God. Ooh. Anyway, um, put beans on that. He's going to be sentenced on December 18th, you guys, this week. <laughs> uh, I, I, he was going to get no jail time. He was going to probably get a year of probation, maybe some community service. Yeah. Um, which is funny because he was in the military for 33 years. But we're like, what are you going to do extra? Would you like <laughs> that you didn't do already? What would you do if you saw Flynn picking up trash on the side of the road? <laughs> I would laugh. I would point and laugh the way oh I point gosh. and laugh at dogs that poop on the side of the road. Oh, I would at least amazing. take a picture. I'd feel a little bad about it, but I'd do it. I wouldn't. Don't feel bad, man. He's a traitor. <laughs> There's this. Sorry, really quick. There's this whole argument about uh, how giving them no jail time will be good because it will incentivize people in the future to cooperate. But I say give them, like, still jail time, but then just give the other people more jail time. Oh. Why don't we just do that? No well, one should get off with no jail time. This is the first big one, though. Mm-hmm. And he cooperated. He's the first person to cooperate hard and fast hard and, and fast. often and <laughs> truthful and steadfast, right? Mm-hmm. And right. so Mueller is rewarding him. And I think that's why they subtly took out that no incarceration yeah, totally. part instead of saying, fuck you, I recommend jail time now, bitches. Double right. their middle fingers, eat shit. Yeah, yeah. they're basically doing I'm just that, more though. a fan of the SDNY approach, I think. Like, fuck these people. They knew what they were doing. I'm not going to give you the worst sentence that you could get because you cooperated, but you're still a piece of shit that did this. Yeah. And this is why jail time exists. And there's so many people also that get incarcerated for right like, and speaking of cohen oh yes. he was sentenced wednesday and i've got a whole thing on cohen and hot notes mm, so stick around for that so we learned wednesday that the trump inaugural is under criminal investigation criminal investigation now and joining us to talk about that is former securities fraud litigator uh, she practiced in the dc circuit court and in the southern and eastern districts of new york and she's the host of resistance live elizabeth mclaughlin elizabeth welcome to muller she wrote Hey, I'm so excited to be here. It's been a long time coming. I know, I know. We've been dying to have you on. So it's really an honor to speak with you. So uh, it appears that the Trump inaugural um, spending and perhaps funding is under investigation. And you and I have been covering this for a long time and wondering how they raised over $100 million, I think $108 million, twice, over twice as much that Obama raised. And we don't know where it all came from or where it all went. Uh, I think the only other person in mainstream media that was has been like wondering about this is maybe Rachel Maddow. And uh, I was hoping you could tell us briefly what this investigation is about and what's new here about it. Yeah. So, I, you know, you know this as well as I do. There have been questions about this inaugural fund going all the way back to like the week after the inauguration. So, you know, all the way back when Sean Spicer was still screaming and turning beat red about the size of the crowd. Um, And, you know, I've been wondering forever about where this money came from. And there's been a lot of speculation from the very beginning about some of these payouts. You know, one of them went to this friend of Melania's and no one really exactly understood what it was for. 
And then there were there were huge amounts that were missing, like millions and millions of dollars that sort of seemed to be unaccounted for. So there's been red flags around this, as you know, for quite some time. But the big breaking news this week um, in two separate reports has been that the inaugural um, committee, the inaugural fund is now under investigation as a part of um, Mueller's scope. Um, and it's, and you know, it's curious. So there's two things about it that are new. Um, the first is that apparently in the raids on Michael Cohen, uh, the feds found tape uh, where he seems to be talking to this friend of Melania Trump's who got all this money uh, out of the inaugural about um, whether or not. Now, is that is that the one? Sorry to interrupt. Is that the one that got almost twenty six million dollars? Yes. OK. Yes. And apparently the two of them are on tape having a discussion about whether or not the payment is legit. So that that in and of itself is a big question mark. You got to love Michael Cohen taping all of his crimes. I mean, come on. It's a. Uh, it's fascinating. He must have at some point either thought he was going to get blamed or that he was going to have to plead out. But in any event, that. Well, I think I think honestly, I think the part of that is that everyone who's worked with Trump knows Trump just doesn't stay loyal. And he I think he might have come to the conclusion that I better get all this shit on tape. And he didn't destroy a bunch of documents he was supposed to destroy. And uh, it's like this huge political Aaron Brockovich situation. And I love it. Well, I do, too. And, you know, as a former securities litigator, it's it's in insane because you know you, anybody i anybody who i ever deposed or cross examined you know these kind of documents let alone recordings would be such fodder for a plaintiff's attorney or a prosecutor it's kind of nuts you know i mean it, it's a mother load it's like you it's the mother load yeah it's insane um so, you know, yeah, so it's this $26 million payment that he was apparently discussing with Melania's friend on tape. But then the second bit of big breaking news that came out um, this week was this issue of where the money came from, which has long been a topic of speculation. I mean, I'm sure you remember that back in, back during the inauguration, like even at the inaugural balls, there were all these questions about why there were so many Russians there and like who was sitting Didn't one guy spend by like buy four tickets and use a cutout. And, uh, do you remember that story? Yeah. Yeah. And meanwhile, and I just think this is funny. I had a history teacher who was like, you have to think about what else was going on in history. We're at the inaugural. There's a bunch of Russians who bought tickets using cutouts and Ivanka sitting next to this woman. And meanwhile, Flynn is over texting Copson on the dais about building reactors and tearing up sanctions with the help of Russia in Saudi Arabia. So it's just like, what? (laughs) Yeah. And and that in and of itself was bizarre because there were questions about why you would do that right? If you were not trying to buy political influence. So, and there, you know, Ivanka Trump had someone's, I can't remember if it was somebody's wife or girlfriend, some major um, Russian oligarch's wife or girlfriend sitting basically next to her at the inauguration. So there's been questions about where the money came from for a really long time. It's, you know, I've said over and over again to friends of mine and also on my own broadcast, just that, you know, if you ever tried to sell this as a movie script to Hollywood, it would have been rejected out of hand because it's so crazy. It's so crazy. Yes. Well, that and there's just too much. You would have to do like a Lonesome Dove eight part miniseries for 16 hours or like a Game of Thrones. And and, but I think Mueller writes a lot faster than George R.R. Martin seems to. So. 
That's true. That's true. I, you know, I think, I think the credibility would have been an issue were it fiction, honestly. And that's what makes it crazy to me that it's actually reality. Anyway, the second investigation that's really curious, and this is the one that I'm kind of following with bated breath because it added a new jurisdiction. It added my old jurisdiction actually to the, um, to the investigation is this issue of the Qataris potentially buying into the inaugural fund. Um, and is that the Eastern district of New York now? Yes. Which is Brooklyn, which is Brooklyn. So, um, and, you know, I, I will tell you that the prosecutors that I knew in the Southern District of New York and the Eastern District of New York, they're bulldogs, right? They're not letting go of any of this stuff. And so to me, the fact that we're now in a situation where there's basically four separate jurisdictions mm -hmm. that are investigating Trump and his people and some aspect of the campaign or his company or the administration or the inaugural just tells us how big this Hydra has gotten at this point. So Yeah, and, and we can't forget, too, that not only were these Russians buying tickets to the inaugural, probably to, to buy influence, but we, we have folks like Vexelberg and, uh, Vexelberg and Columbus Nova and Intrader, um, you know, donating large amounts of money to Cohen's slush fund, essential consulting. Right. It's, it's fucking essential. And so we have all that going on at this same time, too. So that fits into it as well. And now, are you talking about the news that came out about the super PAC also being uh, the, the Tom Barrick super PAC with yeah. the Middle Eastern money or is it separate? Yeah, no, that's that's also something that is being investigated. And obviously, the curious thing there is that Barack, uh, Tom Barack was also the head of the inaugural fund. So there's right. And he's also the guy who got Manafort the job with the Trump campaign by writing that letter. Right. So the layers here are really thick. You know, I also will tell you that as far as essential consultants go, uh, you know, the question I have, given how much Cohen was reimbursed, as opposed to how much those two payouts were that we know about with regard to uh, Stormy and the Playboy Playmate, um, is whether or not there were more payoffs than what they were for. Because the amount of money that moved back to him in reimbursement was so much larger than those two payments that you kind of have to ask yourself what was really going on there and whether there's more to that story. Yeah, not to mention the $4 million he got from AT&T and that uh, aerospace company. And he was pretty much doing nothing for that money also. So Right. Other than providing information about you know the president and potentially providing access. So... Yeah, there's a lot more to come out of this Michael Cohen plea than what we already know. I, you know, I, I'm I'm fascinated by the layers of it and and how far we may get um, with just what he knows, let alone what he potentially has on tape. Yeah, he's the he's the glitter of this investigation. You can't get rid of it. Um, yep. And glitter is the herpes of crafting. So that's <laughs> kind of that's yeah. the way I I tie those things to. That's where my strings go on my murder board. Now. Question about the, the, the this new um, investigation in Eastern District uh, in Brooklyn. Is this separate from the news about the super PAC run by Barrick, or is that the same investigation? You know, it's, it's interesting because at least the reporting that I've been looking at seems to indicate that, um, you know, because Barack raised money for both funds— that there, there's, there's at least some overlap in the investigations. I haven't been able to figure out, honestly, from a clear standpoint yet, what the distinction is between the two. Because even the New York Times is talking about how the inquiry goes both to the inaugural fund and to the super PAC. So maybe there's some overlap there. Well, yeah, we're we're taking we're taking Mueller crumbs and trying to make a cookie out of it. Basically, <laughs> it's what we're doing. <laughs> now, is this pack? Separate from the PAC that was coordinating ad buys for Trump with the NRA? 
It looks like it is. Yeah, this super PAC is rebuilding America now. So this is one that was formed in 2016. It looks like it was, you know, something that was pulled together at the last minute. And, you know, particularly at the moment where the president's campaign was short on cash. Um, and, you know, I, it, it's interesting. There's a lot, you know, the super PACs that have been donating here, um, who knows how they're, how they intersect again. That's one of those things where we're kind of trying to figure it out, but this super PAC in particular that is under investigation with regard to Barack looks like it's the one that was started in the summer of 2016 and is separate from the one that was working with the NRA. Holy moly. If we thought there was a lot of news before it's, it's just going to start getting, uh, absolutely ridiculous. Elizabeth McLaughlin, can you tell everyone where they can find your broadcast resistance live? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so we broadcast live every day on my public Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash Elizabeth Cronice McLaughlin. You can also catch us on Patreon at patreon.com slash resistance live. And then we multiply the broadcast to YouTube and iTunes and Stitcher every day as well. So you can find me in a lot of places. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on Muller She Wrote today. We really appreciate it. You got it. Thanks for having me. All right, guys. Now we're on to Thursday. It's only Thursday. Mm -hmm. Uh, When the U.S. Senate, this is what I was going to tell you about, Jordan. They voted 56 to 41, approving a resolution calling for an end to U.S. involvement in the uh, Saudi Arabia UAE-led military campaign in Yemen. And that defies Trump's military support for Saudi Arabia. But then they took it a step further, and they approved a resolution 100 to nothing saying that Mohammed Bonesaw is responsible for the murder of Khashoggi. Beautiful. Isn't that? It gives me the happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a big deal, guys, because the election this year, like I said, we yielded the biggest midterm landslide for the Democrats in the House, and we lost those moderate Republicans in the Senate. So it's amazing to me that they would defy Trump on anything, and I can't help but wonder if this is the beginning of the end of blind support for Trump in the Senate. Yeah, we thought it would end with the tax cuts, but then that wasn't the case we so. thought it would end with everything yeah <laughs> yeah um it gets to a point though where it's like hurting their own chances of re-election i think that's what it is totally <clears throat> oh being reasonable <laughs> yeah 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 if they don't if they aren't yeah right we'll mm-hmm. just i mean as trump's approval rating goes down around the country so is their chances for getting re-elected oh, if they right. continue to support him yeah and it's like um uh, i should probably vote no i should probably vote no on murder Right. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, (laughs) they vote yes on murder all the time, though. So just in different. I'm not giving them credit for that, really. Yeah. Maybe I should. I'm such a bitch. Okay. (laughs) Own it, dude. There are those places where, like, the Senate in the Senate, where those Trump supporter areas are really, you know, it's helping them. But it's rare, right? There's not too many of them. Yeah. It mostly hurts the Republicans, right? The moderate ones we've seen definitely. Well, that's what we saw, I think, in this in this election. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that means so. That means Cruz signed that letter. Yeah, that's nice. Ev- oh, uh, yeah. Everyone, hundred and yeah. nothing. All of them were there, mm-hmm. and they all voted. Like that's strong, right? Mm-hmm. Even Bernie Sanders, he never votes yes on anything. Yeah. He'd probably be like, doesn't go far enough. Uh, I want to bring uh, MBS here, and I want to chop him into pieces. He wants to give him free. It doesn't care. <laughs> right. <laughs> He's always doing this. Always like, no, it's not good enough. Not far enough. He's so funny. Yeah. Hello. Um, Let's see here. Where were we? Friday. Well, we're on Friday. Yay. Thank God it's Friday. Uh, (laughs) Trump named Mick Mulvaney his acting chief of staff after Chris Christie and three others (laughs) turned down the job. Um, Trump wanted a long-term chief of staff, but apparently he couldn't get anyone to commit to being (laughs) more than an acting. And he got Mick Mulvaney, um, who, oddly enough, somebody dug up an old video of Mick Mulvaney saying that Trump was a giant piece of shit, terrible person. Nice. Technology is beautiful. So that'll be funny. 
Yeah. When Trump hears that. Also Friday, Scott Stemman reported in Medium that authorities in coordination with Mueller have sought to arrange an interview with the author of that letter that the anonymous author wrote to Adam Schiff that we dropped beans on the week before last. Remember when the story dropped? Mm-hmm. Um, if you remember, the letter was sent to Adam Schiff and claimed that in December 2016, Papadop said that he was going to do a business deal with Russians, which would result in a large financial gain for himself and Mr. Trump. And according to the letter, quote, Papadopoulos told me that this deal with Russians would set him up for life, unquote. The author also says uh, he or she witnessed a phone call between Trump and Papadopoulos. None of the claims have been substantiated, but it appears Congress is ready to dig into the allegations anyway. So, And in this week's What the Fuck segment, it appears that Papadopoulos has announced he's running for Congress, <laughs> as Jordan, you brought up earlier. What? Yeah, that's and, great. And he doesn't he doesn't even have a city yet. He's he's trying to pick a city. He's like, I could probably do... He said Orange County. Yeah, Orange County, because yeah. that seems winnable. Yeah, I have a weird theory if he's even remotely serious about this. Maybe he's looking for protection. He's like, hey, I'm already in legal trouble with all these politicians. I want some of their privilege. He wants to get a little, you know, yeah, cushion Congressmen there. don't get as much, though. Not as much, but more than Papadopoulos is getting <laughs> right now. Well, he already did his time. Yeah, but he's he still did. probably in some shit. He seems like he's yeah, got he's some another skeletons. one. It's like, yeah, lay low, man, just mm-hmm. for a little bit at least. Yeah. You just got out of jail. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. You fucking he's idiot. Fresh out. And I hate his wife. I hate yeah. them all. Yeah, I do. Yeah, Jordan, you're feisty. Today. I know, man. I love they're it. well, they're fucking up our country, dude. <laughs> 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 you're like, Whoa. I'm gonna cry. No, and they're okay. No, go for he it. wants to take Orange County. And then he said, I could take Orange County because that's a congressional seat that the person just slipped in and just got in a weak midterm election. Mm. Everything he just said is wrong. It's yeah. completely wrong. There's no way that that. It's also just bad. Mm. And yeah, and you bad. don't just pick a city you're not from and go try to represent it right. just because you want to be a congressman. At least don't make it obvious, right? Wait a few years, lay low, yeah. and then be like, hey, I've always been here. That's what know? his wife did. She just picked a country she wanted to be from. I still think she's a Deripaska boat hoe, but I, I don't know. Boat hoe. <laughs> I like it. Still haven't gotten any confirmation on that. Yeah. Um, still Friday. Raw Story reported that Mueller is not satisfied with Trump's written responses (laughs) and still wants to interview him face-to-face, according to two sources familiar with the matter. As we know, no lawyer in their right mind, or even any Trump lawyer for that matter, uh, are comfortable or would be comfortable Mm -hmm. with him sitting down with prosecutors because he's incapable of telling the truth. Mm -hmm. Um, trap. (laughs) Yeah, whatever. (laughs) And my vagina's a rape trap. Um, Oh, I never thought about that. (laughs) And now you will. (laughs) Every time you hear... Perjury trap, you're going to think of me. Or Venus flytrap is what <laughs> comes to mind. I've been called that. Wow. Um, additionally, Mueller's team is interested in interviewing Trump about his state of mind during actions under investigation for obstruction of justice. And we've been saying this for a long time. You can't get written answers on obstruction of justice. You have to interview him face to face. You have to get to their intent, their their motive, their mm-hmm. frame of mind when, yeah. they, when they acted the way they did. Because it'd be too easy to further obstruct justice if you let them write it down. Yeah. Is that, is that why? Probably. Or something? It's like mm-hmm. your answers obstruct justice yeah. on the questions about obstructing justice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also, Friday, an inspector general report examined a gap in text messages sent between Peter Strzok and Lisa Page and found zero evidence that the FBI tried to destroy any of the text messages. Despite this clear finding... Trump and Giuliani tweeted out Saturday that billions, billions of texts are missing. Wow. Um, this is simply a lie. 
uh, and clearly part of a Manafort, Trump, and Matthew fucking Whitaker conspiracy to discredit the FBI. That's all it is. Yeah. Like, that's all I can think of now every time he mm-hmm. says these things. And oh, I yeah. think it works for their base, unfortunately, because sometimes people only listen to Rudy Giuliani to get their news. <laughs> yeah, and when, when it came out that um, Manafort had this whole big plan, this three-part plan on how to discredit the investigation, all I could think of was the Comey Five Beans. Like, we'd, mm-hmm. we'd been... We've been on that for a while, at least last December, January. Since like the second episode, I want to yeah. say. Yeah. Yeah. Since after, yeah, after three, after the Magnitsky, right? Mm-hmm. We, that's, yeah, that was our whole thing. We're like, something's going on. Yeah, they were dropping like flies. Something went on. Yeah. Uh, finally, a two-page summary of the Steele dossier was unsealed Friday that says a private client funded the research. Uh, we already knew this. Um, we already knew Clinton's campaign, uh, her law firm called Perkins Cooey. Uh, funded this. We've known this since Fusion GPS founder Glenn Simpson testified <laughs> to Congress in two different, basically, novels of 500-page testimony each. They really are, it's good reading. Yeah. Uh, and while this is not news, and we already knew all about this, and it in no way discredits the dossier or any of its corroborated content, none of which has been refuted, by the way, uh, I'm sure Trump and Giuliani will tweet something ridiculous about it this weekend. Yeah. Look. Counting down yeah. the most. See, I'm innocent. <laughs> Proof Hillary paid for it. Off the hook. Totally hunt. clear. <laughs> and we're like, we have known this. Wow. But all you have to say to his base is Hillary Clinton was involved. And they're going to be like, oh, yeah. Because I think sometimes, like, even liberals, when they hear Trump associated with anything, they're like, oh, that's bad. But, yeah. yeah but it, do they not remember us saying it to them a year ago? Like, Well, they weren't listening to us. No. They jumped on it and then forgot about it. I think they I think they think I think this is the new strategy is they'll just re-release old news uh, that Hillary was involved mm-hmm. that everybody already knew about and they already knew about and had a party about. Yeah. They did fucking they drank shots of Quattro, what is it? Four loco? I'm all doing it. Quattro, quattro loco. Quattro crazy. loco. Um, four quattro. Quattro crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Crazy loco. Uh, you know, about it. Like, they're like, yeah, he who. Look, Hillary's paid for it. You all are fucked. And we're like, no, we know. Right. And I think they just do it again because they forget mm-hmm. that they've celebrated this nugget of information. A long time ago. So they re-release it. Or they know They only have the doing. three things. Yeah, I think there the should be. The three pillars? No, the three uh, things that they've been FISA warrant dossier oh, right, right, and Hillary's right. emails. That's yeah, all yeah. they've got. Yeah. And so they just keep uh, putting it out. We like, need to have like a, a pay- place where all Trump supporters can go to easily have their claims refuted. Like I feel like I'm sure they'll voluntarily go there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we'll send them there by like tricking them somehow. Like you know, yeah. it's called life. Maga.com or something. They just don't yeah. listen. <laughs> they just don't. It'd listen. be so helpful, like to they... sneak in the truth. Uh, well, yeah, mm. lube the truth for the. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. definitely that thing. I mean, like you'll have to go undercover. <laughs> yeah, as like <clears throat> as like a Tommy Laren. Oh yeah, type. Or for me, like uh, who's that? Get a wig, Candace go in white face. <laughs> yeah, walk in and just and just go undercover. Take about a year mm-hmm. to earn their trust. Really infiltrate it. Yeah, right. And then you just start sliding in. I'll do a YouTube live. They'll never catch on. Say Jesus spoke to you <laughs> yeah. and told me to tell you. Mm-hmm. This and then just fact check everything. That'd be great. I love it. I'll do it. I'll very start specific, tomorrow. Jesus. He's very invested. Um, yeah, I. Uh, I think Jesus. it's. I think it's also. It's like that thing when you say you're supposed to say a new person's name that you meet. 
like an X amount of times for it to really soak into your brain. It's also that. Yeah. The more times they say it, the more times their base is going to read it and it's going to become a narrative oh, that no, they can totally. then like turn and spit it out to their, their friends. Reality. Yeah. And I don't yeah. blame them. That's how media works. Even when I read liberal sources, I have to make sure that I check myself, you know, because it's just a matter of what you let in. But yeah, often those are more proper. Like, you know, the, the right wing ones seem to be more tailored towards knowing their base is a little... Um, Stupid? Well, that's their MO. <laughs> Guys, that's their MO every time. Like, well, I'm going to call it the cut, cut, cut plan. Or <laughs> I only want to do taxes at 10, 20, and 25. Simple. Mm-hmm. Easy. Or when he was in that meeting with Nancy and Chuck, and he's like, uh, shut down the government in favor of border security. Build the wall. I mm-hmm. want the wall. Se- border security. Yeah. I'll shut Ready down the government. Freedom. Border security. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just repeating the same words and phrases over and over again until they sink in. And uh, that's just, that's how they operate. And it's not going to stop, so we just have to get used to it. So this is not news. We knew that Perkins Coie and, and Hillary funded the dossier. Who gives a it fuck? Doesn't it's mean that Carter it's, Page. Exactly. And it was Republicans funding it, too. I think, of course, they'll leave that part out of it. I'm know? almost like, Initially, I will give you yeah. $1,000 and let Carter Page off the hook if you just stop talking about it. It's that would be so amazing. irrelevant. Yeah. Watch it's watch it's like the whole it's like the foundation <laughs> of the whole fucking thing. Watch. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Little fucking fishing hat guy like started this whole shit. Right. Yeah, I don't even know. All right guys, we'll be right back. This is Gabriel Sunday. And well, I'm here because at this moment we need podcast news more than ever. And well, I'm sure you're thinking, hmm, we have Audie Cornish, Judd up a Murad, Michael Barbaro, but Are they really enough? Does Terry Gross, John Lovett, Ina Jaffe's bring you all the stories? And, oh, yeah, maybe you say, Sarah Koenig, Lakshmi Singh, Ira Glass, they're they're enough. But then again, are they? Join me as we bring you the stories you've already heard, but you want to hear again in a different way. From the Center for Investigative Journalism, this is The Sunday Show. I'm Gabriel Sunday. See you Sunday. Previews drop November 18th, and full episodes are available Sunday, December 9th, on Starburns Audio. All right, welcome back. Hot notes. All right, guys, welcome back. Today in Hot Notes, uh, I have Jordan. She's going to talk about a lawsuit that's been filed against Rudy Giuliani. Uh, no, against the FBI New York field office for leaking to Rudy Giuliani. Yeah. Uh, but first, Jaleesa, you have some uh, interesting in your what the ra- this is going to be a racial Maddow segment, right? Yeah, yeah. This is all racial material here. <laughs> yeah, this is about because this is about like racist harassment and targeted threats of, of um, these undocumented workers who work for Trump at his New Jersey golf course, right? Correct. Yeah, this is a follow up to last week's racial Maddow segment. So uh, basically, according to an attorney named Annabel Romero. Uh, Um, The New Jersey State Attorney General's office has reached out to Trump about these claims, and there are now five former or or current employees at the golf course that say that they were routinely threatened and called racial slurs while on the job. So this is uh, three more workers than we knew from last week. And even though two of them have declined to give their names out of fear of, you know, being fired or something, the other woman, Gilberta Dominguez, is from Mexico. And she said she was also a victim of racial slurs, threats, and was set up with fraudulent papers while working for Trump. So that's kind of... By somebody within the organization? Yeah, the the employees, the supervisors. 
now because these women have come forward, New Jersey's top law enforcement agency is looking into all of this. And Romero said in a statement, quote, these are elements of federal crimes. And it's important that the state attorney general's office or federal authorities investigate this case. Not to mention the main accuser, Victorina Morales. We mentioned her last week. She's still working at the golf course, like right now, probably as we speak. And um, I mean, it's, it's troublesome because he says that they're concerned that they might be coerced into not speaking out because apparently they're showing up for work and everybody's like, oh, it's okay, it's gonna be fine. Like, even though they know they're being legally looked into, they're just like, just chill out, don't quit, don't flee to Mexico. And uh, it's just gotta be so awkward too for Victorina to show up to work knowing that all of this is blowing up and she's encouraging other people to speak out. So it's like a little movement that's starting over there. And um, that's cool, I hope it like gives people like other people who work there and it looks like it's working that gives them the courage to come forward too exactly that's kind of the the new update here is that since last week there's been more people that have felt comfortable speaking out even though some of them are doing it anonymously they're still kind of adding to the number of people so i know five it didn't seem like a lot but it's just one more thing for trump you know one more thing to have to to deal with and and you know address and uh, romero said these undocumented workers are still reporting to work and um, he said that Trump is guilty of flagrant hypocrisy because all this time when he's doing this derogatory rhetoric towards immigrants from the White House, he's simultaneously employing these undocumented workers, you know, and then basically just claiming that he was doing it through this E-Verify thing, like we said last week, but they were just literally setting him up with fake paper. So the thing he claimed was legit was just a lie, mm-hmm. just straight up, or he's going to claim he didn't know, which is ridiculous. But... um. Yeah, the thing about this that was interesting is that Romero actually doesn't put all the blame on Trump. He says that he really blames Congress. So um, to quote him, he said, the problem continues because the work is needed. In New York City, we see undocumented immigrants in every restaurant, every construction site, every supermarket. And if Congress simply passed a law allowing them to work legally, the problem would essentially be fixed. So this attorney who's representing these women and who apparently has already reached out to Trump is not even saying that Trump is the main problem. He's kind of you know, pointing towards the system, which is interesting, I think, actually, because it does go beyond Trump. We talk a lot about Trump in the podcast, but I think the bigger idea is like, how are we going to revamp the system after Trump is gone, especially cleaning up all the mess that he's done? But he's just reaping the benefits of a lot of people like him. You yeah. know? <clears throat> I wish that they would uh, specify that it's Republicans in Congress that are. Yeah. Um, because there isn't one single Democrat who would be like, no. Well, maybe, what, maybe, maybe Mnuchin. Yeah, honestly, yeah, I think it is more of a systematic issue. And but, I'm, but, I, well, I'm sorry to interrupt. But no worries. It, it's it's the Republicans in Congress that that are preventing us from making uh, immigration and, and oh, becoming legal. Easier. I see what you're saying. You wish Romero wouldn't blame Congress as a whole he, if he would specify that it's the Republican Party. Yeah, yeah. Just because Democrats aren't against this idea doesn't make it not systematic. Right, right. That makes sense. Right. I don't want you to think that because I'm saying. I, th- I would blame the Republicans on this, that I'm trying to say it's not a systematic problem. Mm-hmm. It is a systematic problem. Yes. And we cannot fix it because the Republicans in Congress block it. I agree. Yeah, that okay? makes total and 98% sense. And 98% of people who own giant businesses and employ undocumented workers are likely Republicans. Um, so, I, yeah. Because most, most folks who, um, you know, if you employ an undocumented immigrant and you are a liberal, you are going to pay a living wage. 
Do you know I what wonder. I mean? That's that's what the thing I wonder about is like I would I would think so. I think more Democrats would. Um, I wouldn't be surprised, however, if there was some Democrats that were taking advantage of it at least because they know that it's not going to go anywhere. So they're just taking advantage of the fact that it's cheap. Like how labor. many Democratic dairy farmers do you know from Wisconsin? That's a good question. I don't know. I know none. That's a very good point. <laughs> <It's> just, but. <laughs> You know, I'm sure, uh, yeah. you know, but it's, you know, I'm not saying all. But. Right. I think it's definitely a Republican. Is, is it, that's the party that seems to be messing this up the most. The immigration at least in, at least in, the, in, the, in the making of the laws part of it. Absolutely. Um, in the out there having to work in the real world and hiring things, people are going to do what they need to do to have their businesses run or to work where they need to work. Totally. Um, but as far as making the law, I I. I Refuse to say it's anybody's fault, but the goddamn Republicans in Congress. Yeah, no, you're right. There, there's definitely more blame to be put in that area. I agree. Just for lawmaking. Yeah, because they're open about it too. They don't care. Border security. You know, that's, that's well, no. The they're thing. they're actually trying to stop legal immigration. Yeah, and then kick everyone out and deport people who are here illegally, and then fuck the dreamers mm-hmm. and f your children who live in cages on the border. Yeah, did you hear about that young well, girl, the seven year old who oh, yeah. died in yeah mm-hmm. border security is custody. Mm-hmm. That's awful. That shouldn't be happening at all. I mean, I, I know that people. People are going to say, oh, well, things happen. It's like, no, but this is preventable. This didn't there need to happen at all. There shouldn't be children in custody. Exactly. I mean, like, let's step back from, well, you know, you know, things happen, you know, on bus rides from tents to processing stations. Mm-hmm. There shouldn't be a fucking yeah. bus ride from a tent to a processing things station. Things happen on slave ships, you know, hey. right. <laughs> the yeah. cost of slavery. <laughs> yeah. Instead of arguing how big the slave ship is and how big their quarters are, like, right. how about we don't have slave ships? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I anyway. thought. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. Even Excellent reporting. Thank you. Yes. And even further to the GOP systematically is the reason Trump could even rise to power in the first place. Why he was over time able to amass that much wealth totally. and that or lack thereof, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> the party. Power, I should say. Amass that much debt. Yeah. That, <laughs> yeah. That much that much debt and this web of power that even allowed him to mani- like manipulate people into getting him into that office in the first place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you're right, Jaleesa. Just the whole... Um, you need to be here legally. You're you're ruining wages. You know they're taking jobs from Americans, and meanwhile he's employing them and paying, you know, low wages and totally setting it up so that yeah, yeah, absolutely. That is just and illegal too. Unbelievable. I guess. The fraudulent papers part of it. Yeah. So yeah. at least if there's Democrats mm-hmm. out there employing undocumented workers, they're not in the White House saying fuck undocumented workers. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, Good point. I mean, I you know six and one half dozen, but. Right. Damn. <laughs> Their base that's supposedly Christian is okay with him having like multiple affairs and whatever. That hypocrisy apparently is okay. But this, right. I don't understand how, and I'm obviously not advocating for them to actually, you know, <laughs> yeah. treading lightly here, but like this is so hypocritical. This will also not make them turn against him. They, yeah. They'll see this and then have some other explanation for it. Right. And it's like, well, then what are you even advocating mm-hmm. for? Because this is the policy that he would, it's, yeah, I mean, and I'm wasting we, my breath trying to articulate how hypocritical this is. But I appreciate is. it. Though. And even when we do take the Senate and and then we'll have the House and, and you know, we sign a bill where we allow uh, extended visas and, and work permits and all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think that that's going to make wages go up. Right. Uh, and so because it's we've shown and studies have shown that it's not the immigrants that lower the wages. It's the rich people that set the wages low that attract the immigrants. It's chicken and egg. Right. Yeah. yeah. So we have to keep that in mind, too, yeah. when we think about we can change the laws, but that doesn't mean that these wages are going to go up. We need to set that minimum mm-hmm. wage at fifteen dollars an hour for yep. everybody. It's yeah. a class issue just as much as a race issue, I think. Yeah, yeah. Right now they get to have their cake and eat it too. Mm-hmm. set low wages and then capitalize off of undocumented yeah. workers. I love cake. Tres leches. I love cake, too. Yeah. I do like tres leches. That's my favorite cake. Mm hmm. 
That's a weird. Oh yeah. Segue. Any cake sponsors? Yeah, I want to send us some oh. cake. Speaking of cake, sweet cakes. Jordan has some. <laughs> Ooh, smooth AG. Yeah. You're being so kind to me <laughs> about my sexy cakeness. Thank yeah. you. Okay. Just tear her down next week to balance it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Tune in next week. I'll be crying. Okay. So, my hot note. Uh, the government watchdog Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington, also known as Crew, as AG was talking about, has filed a lawsuit against the New York FBI field office for allegedly leaking intel to Rudy Giuliani in the final months of the 2016 campaign that indicated to Comey, who was then the acting director of the FBI, uh, it indicated to him, or it indicated that he was preparing to relaunch the investigation into Hillary Clinton's use of her private email server as sex state. So, we know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so basically this is just us, you know, defending our Comey as my homie stickers mm-hmm. <laughs> because we're like yes he you know he came out and reopened the election reopened the investigation to the Hillary emails he wrote those letters to Congress he did it 11 days before the election quite possibly cost her the election but however did he have a choice his hands were tied right right and this yeah. is kind of what we've been waiting for that IG report to come out on and I, th- I think I think we spoke about this last week I think they're waiting to put that out because it could have implications in the Mueller investigation or they don't want to discredit the FBI before this whole investigation wraps up by right. saying they leaked they were assholes and they pretty much blackmailed Comey right so that's that's the whole sort of history of this we've mm-hmm. been we've been on this for a while yeah, yeah and that's why crew is filing this is because like you said they're waiting on this report it was supposed to come out in may it still hasn't come out wow. and so they're trying like the to kanye album just drop already <laughs> God, enough about kanye <laughs> uh <laughs> i'm so sorry that's no, okay so it's nothing personal today. i know dude i don't know what happened i'll just i don't know <laughs> it's all good here i am it comes in waves uh <laughs> so I also like this story, though, because we get to see Giuliani again, who always does not cease to disappoint. Oh, He's yeah, uh, absolutely ridiculous. So Giuliani, in a classic mouth shitter fashion, he made the <laughs> lawsuit all the more easy to file when he went on Fox News and admitted that he received some kind of specialized and highly classified intel regarding the reopening of the investigation. When asked on air if he had received a leak, he said... Did I hear about it? You're darn right I heard about it. And I can't even repeat the language I heard. He literally said that, that he couldn't repeat the language he heard. He's like, because trust me, I was was not supposed to hear it. <laughs> Just big words. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, job. literally, I can't repeat it. I, I don't know those words. <laughs> yeah. Physically incapable. Mentally. Um, so, yeah, he basically leaked the leak. And that's hilarious to me. This news follows Comey's appearance in front of House investigators where he explicitly demonstrated concern that members of the New York field office may have leaked that information to Giuliani. Uh, Comey said, and I quote, I was concerned that there appeared to be in the media a number of stories that might have been based on communications reporters or non-reporters like Rudy Giuliani were having with people in the New York field office. Mr. Giuliani was making statements that appeared to be based on his knowledge of workings inside the FBI New York. So... Yeah, and he has no reason to know those things. He's, at this point, not part of the FBI. Right. right. So there's a reason why they would get leaked, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll get to that in a second. Uh, but so Crew then filed a request for records related to the FBI's own investigation into the potential leaks. Crew seems to be pretty confident that they will get at least some answers out of this request. Crew's executive director released a statement saying that the FBI is legally obligated to either hand over the records or explain why they cannot. FBI being manhandled feels yeah. good. Uh, as a reminder, the NY FBI field office is the same one that has had just a completely unreasonable obsession with investigating the Clintons. They keep trying to push for investigating the Clinton Foundation, and even Comey himself has said that it's 
become clear that members of his office, quote, possess, uh, sorry, not his office, big correction, (laughs) this office, Mm -hmm. possess a deep and visceral hatred of Hillary Clinton. So the fact that rogue agents existed inside the NY field office that had a history of relentlessly pursuing the Clintons proves a narrative that we've been firmly speculating on to be true this entire time on our podcast, that Comey did not organically choose to announce the reopening of the investigation into Clinton's emails days before the 2016 election. His hand was forced, and it was forced by this group of leaders, quote-unquote leaders, uh, (laughs) who left him no other choice. Yeah, it was orchestrated, essentially, right? They wanted to corner him because... Either, I think so. Yeah, either way, it was a win for them. Either they leak it on their own or Comey doesn't, and even better, he's their, you know, guy that, not a martyr, whatever the opposite, you know, the villain in that case, yeah. Yeah, well, Comey wanted to get out ahead of it. We've always said he wanted yeah. to get out in front of it and control the message. Because he's a good boy. He's not how Comey is a leaker. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. And he um, already knew, like, he's like, I'm fucked if I do, I'm fucked mm-hmm. if I don't, so I'm just going to do this so I can control the message. Yeah. yeah. He was a true captain of that ship. He just went down with it. Well, yeah. he knew, and but he knew he was gonna. Yeah, mm-hmm. he was like that guy in Titanic. I'm yeah, just he go was in the front. Capitan, <laughs> Capitan, no, yeah. my baby. Yeah, that's no spoiler alerts. No spoilers. <laughs> um, but and so they were not. You mentioned Nunez earlier in Hot Notes, and I said he comes in during this. Apparently, they had not only leaked to Giuliani. I read something that said they were also leaking to Nunez. Mm. So yeah. I'm yeah, curious yeah. to see if they get implicated at all. If this. Once that report comes out, if these reports get filed at all, uh, I wonder if Giuliani can be implicated at all in that for, mm-hmm. like, exposing essentially national intelligence. Yeah, because he had no business there. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. He it's, sh- it's at least obstruction and aiding and abetting. Yeah, if Congress is on it, the House specifically, they should look into that. And I think Nunes will get swept up in it. Do you remember when they had those secret meetings where they would go down the corridors and meet behind closed doors, the six Republicans or whatever, mm-hmm. and they had that meeting about how to discredit the FBI. I bet Manafort was involved in that. Yeah. I bet that was those were the briefings. And we used to sit there and be, I bet the White House is involved in this. And I'm sure that they were. The back and forth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because they, they had like a group. I can't, I'll have to look up that story again. We did, we did it, we covered it like eight, nine months ago. Wow. Where Nunez was like sneaking off into private rooms with a bunch mm-hmm. of other, like Jim Jordan and yeah. Matt Gates and Fuckface That McGee. was the first yeah. time yeah. I needed like, him. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it was like early. It was the early beginning. Nunez stuff. Yeah. 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 Just fucking cows. Yeah. Just All those when you, guys. When you first met. <laughs> yeah. When you first met. <laughs> when I first met Nunez. <laughs> when you were in your honeymoon period. All right. Oh, Michael Cohen. Michael, Michael, Michael. <laughs> Michael. 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 All right, guys. So Wednesday of this week, the president's personal lawyer and fixer was sentenced to three years in prison. And we got to see some of the best courtroom sketches in the history of the world, I have to tell you. We will send them out in our newsletter. Jordan, make sure to send those sketches out in the newsletter of the Cohen case, the court, the, uh, the sentencing hearing. Got it. Uh, if you don't get the newsletter, uh, it's for patrons, so sign up for that. Uh, apparently, Cohen uh, brought in his family, and he made this heartfelt plea to the judge, and he was apparently crying and choking back tears. He had to pause, like dramatic pause. Uh, he says he's been living in a personal and mental incarceration ever since he started working for Trump. Mm. He quoted a Viktor Frankl book: uh, "There are forces beyond your control that you can't that you can take away every that can take away everything you possess except one thing: your freedom to choose how you will respond to your situation." Uh, which would make sense if Trump rammed his ovipositor down his throat and <laughs> laid his eggs that forced Cohen into subservient <laughs> zombie-like states. But uh, he didn't say it was his own weakness. 
Uh, well, no, he did. He actually did. This was kind of the cool part of it. He said, it's my own weakness um, and my own blind loyalty that, that led me to choose the path of darkness <laughs> over light, Satan. Um, <laughs> he started crying, like I said, when he talked about his family, saying, I love my family more than anything in the world. My dad, who is here today, my mom, my in-laws, my siblings. Um, I love the love of my life, my wife, Laura, my pride and joy, my daughter, Samantha, uh, my son, Jake. Uh, just Jake. No, Jake's no, not pride no and joy. No pride and joy. Jake's actually kind of an asshole, I guess. <laughs> he doesn't even get the full name. Jacob? Yeah. This is Jake. That's just Jake. Those darn Jacob, will, all all those Jakes. Yeah. <laughs> he ke- and he kept on going, talking about the shame he's brought to his family. Woe is he. And he went on for like a long time with this whole heartfelt soliloquy. And then the judge just went, all right, cool. Sit down. Three years. Bye. Wow. Um, it was really f- kind of... I I wish there were tapes. Like you can't bring cameras and tapes mm-hmm. into federal court. Well, you, yeah. they they tape these things, but you can't. We can't. See yeah, it. we can't hear it. Because yeah. the judge, like they already know that they're going to put on like the waterworks, so they have to be tougher than that. So it's <laughs> he yeah. didn't even was like I appreciate what you're saying to me. I take everything into consideration. He was just like three years. Yeah, yeah. I think that was for the country, though. Honestly, mm-hmm. I think yeah. that's him trying to just reestablish his image and dignity. Totally. <laughs> it was. Yeah. Uh, and and Cohen had faced. He had faced up to five years, but the sentence was meant to reflect punishment of those who repeatedly break the law while also rewarding those who cooperate. So they're kind of walking this fine line. Mm-hmm. He was also ordered to pay a $2 million fine. Uh, the guilty plea covered two separate cases, right? One brought by Mueller of Cohen's lies to Congress about the Trump Tower Moscow continuing well beyond the time frame that Cohen initially outlined, right? And then the other brought by the Southern District of New York over bank and tax fraud, as well as the two campaign finance violations. Those are the ones where he implicated Trump, saying he committed those felonies at the direction of and in coordination with the president. Uh, Incredibly, right after Cohen left the courthouse, federal prosecutors unsealed a non-prosecution agreement they penned with American Media Inc. That's the parent company of the Inquirer run by Pecker, Pecker, uh, who had been given some some level of immunity in this case. We don't know how much, how narrow it was, but he was given immunity. Uh, the document said that in exchange for admitting, AMI paid $150,000 to a playmate in concert with Trump's campaign to suppress her story so as to prevent it from influencing the election, they would not prosecute them. That's uh, the practice known as catch and kill, right, where they offer someone a ton of money for exclusive rights to their story, and then they never publish it. Right. Uh, The important language there is, quote, in concert with Trump and to prevent it from influencing the election, because those are the two standards the prosecution has to meet to successfully charge someone with campaign finance violations. Keep in mind, though, that implicating an unindicted co-conspirator is a different level than actually charging someone with a crime. A prosecutor will not bring charges for a case it doesn't think it can win, right? Mm-hmm. But it doesn't have to prove the conspiracy to implicate them in the indictment of someone else. Oh, like Nixon, right? Yeah, so this this doesn't mean that the case against Trump for these crimes would fly, right? But in the inclusion of the language stating that it was in concert with Trump to influence the election could indicate they might have evidence mm-hmm. that's prosecutable. Uh, the AMI agreement also stated that Pecker, Cohen, and at least one other member of the campaign were in a meeting where Pecker offered to help deal uh, with negative stories about the presidential candidate's relationships with women by assisting the campaign, not only in catch and kill, but identifying these stories so that they could be purchased. Uh, well, news came out Thursday that Trump was the other member, one of the members of the campaign that was in that meeting. He was in that room. Um, and we 
actually learned this last month in, from the Wall Street Journal. <laughs> but um, the, I guess they reported it again. Maybe we forget things. They do that a lot, though. Yeah, breaking news. And it's like not really breaking. Yeah. Uh, but interesting, interestingly, uh, the non-prosecutorial agreement let the entity AMI off the hook, but it specifically did not exculpate the Trump organization for its role in the catch and kill, which leaves the door open for criminal liability. And then you add that verbiage in that I said, and that might be what makes it a chargeable offense. And as we know, there are only four people in the Trump organization that are authorized to cut checks on behalf of the company. Don Jr., uh, Ivanka, um, and Eric Nosferatu. Eric can cut checks? Wow. Yeah, yeah. They probably don't let him. He's like <laughs> cute little like animated ones or the cartoons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He asked for it for Christmas one year. Can I cut checks? <laughs> or at least be allowed to. Play school's bank. Write your own checks. And then Alan Weisselberg, right? And we know Weisselberg has also been given some level of immunity in this case. So you have the kids and Weisselberg, and Weisselberg's not even a factor. I got news for you, pal. You ain't leading but two things right now. Jack and shit. And Jack left town. All right, now, I got more. Lanny Davis, right? That's Cohen's lawyer. He was on TV the day before his sentencing telling us um, all that Trump may have known about Cohen. And he... He believes that Trump knew Cohen planned to make false statements to Congress. He said, quote, Mr. Trump in the White House knew that Michael Cohen would be testifying falsely to Congress and did not tell him not to, unquote. Um, this is what he told Blo Bloomberg News as well. He also compared Cohen to John Dean, which is stupid, <laughs> unless you simply mean a lying criminal. Um, Cohen is not the John Dean in this story. I'm sorry. If it's anyone, it's Don McGahn. John Dean was the White House counsel, not Nixon's personal lawyer, fixer, taxi, mob fuckface. <laughs> uh, and I wish the mainstream media would quit referring to him as the John Dean of Trump Russia, though I think it's just really Lanny Davis who's saying that. Um, Adam Schiff has said he's already in communication with Cohen's team to have him come testify to the House Intel Committee when Dems take over in January. Lanny Davis wants the hearing um, public, but Schiff is taking these on a case-by-case -case basis, kind of in concert with special counsel to make sure no one's stepping on anyone's toes, right? Uh, something no one had asked Lanny Davis uh, this week is his relationship to Fertosh, Dmitry Fertosh. He's a Ukrainian oligarch who's often linked to Simeon Mogilevich, okay? And that's a Putin confidant and probably the most powerful mobster in the world. Uh, Fertosh is repped by Lanny Davis, <laughs> because he's fighting extradition to Chicago where he faces charges of racketeering and money laundering. And Davis is receiving about a million dollars a year to represent Fertosh. Interestingly, uh, Mogilevich turned up on the FBI's 10 most wanted list when Robert Mueller was the director of the FBI <laughs> <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> uh, and he's been involved in, uh, not Mueller, but uh, Mogilevich. He's been involved in prostitution, weapons trafficking, smuggling of nuclear material, drug trafficking, and money laundering, just to name a few. Wait, smuggling of nuclear, nuclear material, material. And prostitution. It just paints a picture. Who's smuggling, smuggling what and nuclear where? Nuclear prostitute. <laughs> um, and then Litvanenko, the Russian that was slowly poisoned to death, that mm -hmm. was uh, Mogilevich. Oh, um, my gosh. He's the guy? That he was an that? informant. He was a whistleblower on Mogilevich. Oh, wow. yeah. Lanny Davis denies that his client, Fertosh, is at all connected to Putin or Mogilevich, and he never talks about representing him in public, nor does he show up on his client list on his website. But the New York Times refers to him as the front man of the dark side. That's how they call <laughs> Lanny Davis, Ooh. having represented not only Fertosh, but a brutally aggressive dictator uh, in Equatorial Guinea and the Ivory Coast as well. Additionally, his client, Fertosh, did business with Manafort while he was working for the pro-Putin the pro Ukrainian candidate, Viktor Yanukovych. We've talked about him a million times. 
um, when Fertosh committed $1.5 billion for a real estate deal in New York. Do you guys know anyone who does real estate in New York? I don't know. <laughs> Bayrock? Oh, wait, that's Florida. Uh, understanding Cohen's attorney's ties to the Russian mafia and the Kremlin shed an interesting light on why Lanny Davis is representing Cohen in the first place and what Cohen did not tell the Southern District of New York that pissed them off so much. Yeah. Uh, if you recall, they threw the book at him in that sentencing memorandum, stating he shouldn't get any leniency for cooperating because he wasn't being fully forthcoming about his crimes. Uh, they say you, you have to be a legit cooperating witness, which means you have to tell us everything you've ever done wrong, and he didn't do that. So F him, give him time. And I'm guessing Cohen knows a lot about the Russian mafia. And Lanny Davis is, this is conjecture, space beans. I think Lanny Davis is there to ensure none of that gets out. Wow. Uh, Cohen certainly doesn't want to cross Mogilevich. And that might be why he did not enter into a full cooperation agreement and is willing to do his time. Yeah, that's what I was just thinking is that Cohen has to tread that line of not getting on Putin's list, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, And Cohen's lawyer said he's willing to continue cooperating. Lanny mm-hmm. Davis says even after. Um, and Cohen himself repeated that in an interview with George Stephanopoulos on ABC. Um, he also said in that interview, quote, the man doesn't tell the truth. And it's sad that I should take responsibility for his dirty deeds. Mm. And of course, Trump has a lot to say about Cohen since then. Uh, he said that he never instructed Cohen to do anything wrong. Note that language here. He didn't say, I never instructed him to make a payment. He said, <laughs> he said he, I never instructed him to do anything wrong. Uh, he went on to say that Cohen was his uh, lawyer, and it was his mistake, and that he should be able to trust his lawyer to do the right thing. Oh. Yes, do the right thing. When you're paying off mistresses to keep their mouth shut, you have to do it the right way. Yeah, nice try, Satan. Uh, and, then, and that statement's funny, considering Trump has said in the past that he wasn't his lawyer. He did very little law. He was more of a PR guy. Fixer, yeah. Cohen is your PR guy. Okay. <laughs> uh, Trump also denied having the affairs this week and accused political opponents of focusing on the campaign finance matter because they failed to prove collusion, tweeting, mm. my favorite response of the week, quote, Democrats can't find a smocking gun. <laughs> Tying the Trump campaign to Russia after James Comey's testimony. No smocking gun. No, no, no collusion. So Dems uh, do a simple private, they turn to a simple private transaction, wrongly calling it campaign contribution. Uh, the jokes write themselves, guys. He, somebody's like, oh, it's a typo. His, his supporters are like, get over it, it's a typo. Twice? A typo twice. I don't think it, it's a typo. I know a lot of people think that he's just too dumb to know how to spell smoking, but I think he just likes it when he gets attention for typos more than attention for other stories. You're giving way too much credit. He studies his own tweets, stupid. though. He's totally he's fucking stupid, He, he likes dude. to repeat his tweets, the ones that are more effective, and he admitted that the ones that are effective were the most shocking. And typos are shocking to people. They're like, mm-hmm. how could you? You're the president. And they just like talk about that more than other things sometimes. Yeah. That you is know. an interesting opinion. I disagree <laughs> with it 100%. It's I think a theory. he's fucking stupid. I think he could be both. <laughs> I spelled Bush wrong in the second grade at a spelling bee, and I owned up to it because I am a man. <laughs> okay? <laughs> That's all. I spelled it with a C. And in it, like S-C-H. Oh, interesting. I blame <gasps> capitalism. But that's but, beer. Yeah. Right? Thank you. That, but I was oh. seven, so <laughs> All the no credit for that. And yeah. Trump might have the mind of a seven-year-old. You're right about that, A.G. But well, I think he does study his tweets enough to want to repeat things I s- for... I don't his- think he sat there and went, oh, look, it's not spelled correctly. I'll leave it twice. Ha-ha. You don't think so? Nope. 
Not one bit. Maybe the Adderall makes him. Also, whatever. We don't want to shame people for being stupid, I guess. As long as you don't also ruin the world. Exactly. That's all we're asking. That's it. It's very simple standards. I'm kind of a grammar nerd. but Grammar Nazi. And that's a spelling thing. So, you know, I don't know. It was just, it was twice. There's a little red squiggly line underneath it. Yeah, he might actually be that dumb. It's totally likely. He capitalized it. I like the double. Maybe that's what happened. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and go out on a limb and say, because when you capitalize something, make mm-hmm. it a proper noun, which he does yeah. randomly for no reason. Yeah. So I think probably smocking gun was capitalized mm-hmm. both times. It's not going to give you the red underline for being. Because I think it's proper. Right. Like yeah. Name. I think it's a name. Off, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mr. Smocking Gun. But how do you think smoking is smelled like that? That doesn't even make, like, Scott Free made sense typo-wise, right? Like, right. Yeah. Who knows <sighs> Scott Free has one T? Like, a lot of people yeah. probably don't know that. Oh, I nope. Me neither. You <laughs> <laughs> just learned. Yeah. <laughs> I like the double entendre, too, that he said private transaction. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a private's transaction. That's a private's transaction. (laughs) The jokes write themselves, guys. Yeah. What a Um, fool. (laughs) Trump went, (laughs) this is the best, he went as far as to say that the prosecutors did not bring the campaign charges because they're against the law, but only to embarrass him. You're embarrassing me in company. You embarrass yourself. So Cohen begins serving his sentence March 6th. Yay. It's going to yeah. come up faster than spring we realize, time. I bet. Yeah, springtime. Because mm-hmm. Christmas is almost over. Yeah, It's practically over. I did find myself a little bit emotionally affected by his statements, I must admit. Oh, Cohen? Not to say I think he deserves any less of, of a sentence, mm-hmm. but that would be such a crazy come-to-Jesus moment mm-hmm. to have in front of the entire nation. He but completely it did it to himself, but I believe he has legitimate remorse for just... He's probably just like, man, what the what the fuck happened in my life yeah. that led me to this point? It sounds like it. Yeah, to be able to admit that you did that and you were in that place and he admitted to being weak um, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. blind, had blind loyalty. Yeah. <clears throat> but it's like... An opportunist, too. He's admitting that he, he wanted the lifestyle, right? It's a part of it. Or I, is he- I, suppose I, I suppose I understand. Right. It, and I guess I understand it if you aren't a dick when you're doing it. Like, he came after people and said he was going to, you, you're you fucking disgusting. You don't even want to know what I'm going to do to you. Fuck you. You know, and you're yeah. just like, oh. Take yeah. a bullet for Trump. All that stuff was weird, yeah. man. Yeah. It's like watching a fragile 13-year-old boy just be, his layers peeled down in front of us, you know? Yeah. That's how it felt. Well, it reminds me of that whole story we did on Kavanaugh where uh, the woman who wrote the article about toxic, no, uh, homotoxicity. Oh, yeah, yeah. Where men get, you know, try to they they're more impressed they're more focused on impressing other men yeah by demeaning and hurting other people particularly women right like hazing kind of idea yeah but but specifically gender specific mm-hmm. they call it uh homotoxicity mm. and i thought that was a really interesting um concept i'd never heard that word before but if you think about kavanaugh and his buddy um you know uh, you know, high fiving and laughing at this poor woman who mm-hmm. is terrified and violated he Kavanaugh at that moment is not thinking about the woman he's thinking about impressing his buddy exactly yeah I've seen it on on minor levels too like even you know today it's still a thing I think within that male culture that's just like you know we want to roll our eyes but it it can also get really bad like with Kavanaugh it can be terrible you know damaging yeah yeah and here's Cohen like I'll 
walk over and trash anybody and, and fuck your life up and I don't fucking care uh, because I'm here to impress my buddy. Right. Yeah. And maybe it's even a people thing but I love that word too because maybe that's the bigger issue is the male dominance but I think that just in general like I've seen women that like maybe have a certain privilege and they'll like they'll just shit on someone else just to get ahead. Like You're so awesome that you kind of attribute shittiness to like all people <laughs> equally. You're like it's, it's sprinkled hey, in it there. It can yeah. happen. You, you know like, Democrats the... can be taking advantage of things. <laughs> yeah. Women can be yeah. uh, assholes. You're not <laughs> All many for them. It's very, very <laughs> you know, nice of you. But the major issue, you're totally right, is is the male I, issue there. But I do think that I mean, homotoxicity simply means same sex, right? So it it, it does oh, apply. Oh, it goes to either both. way. You're saying okay. I'm just saying as you're focusing I'm, on yeah, mm, the Kavanaugh example or the Conan, yeah, Conan I'm example. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Yeah, and as a woman, maybe I'm being biased when I say male is the main issue. But it does seem like you know, in, in terms of all lives matter, as an example, like sure, everyone's life matters, but then there's the you know, African American area. So I, I do feel like men have it a little worse when it comes to one upping each other. Ninety six percent of violent crime is committed by men. Okay, so that's what I'm thinking. Anyway, <laughs> I okay. want to give a shout out to our male allies. We love you and yeah. thank you. Women are sneakier. We're a little more catty and social. Oh, with our we stuff. will wreck your life, and yeah, rip your heart yeah. out. More psychological sometimes before you even know what happens. <laughs> oh, yeah. we're we're mm. but not violent naturally. Not many of us. No, this is psychological. Yeah, yeah, which can be awful too. Watch out. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to play Wham um, oh, yeah. last Christmas and like blow everybody's Whamageddon chances. But that's like a lot of people you'd be ruining the game for right yeah. now. Oh, yeah. I decided not to. I was just going to open the show with it and have everybody go, damn you, oh, no. <laughs> AG. Because I got knocked out this week. Um, yeah. Early on, too. Yeah. Right? Tuesday, yeah. I was at um, your show, got yeah. knocked out. Uh, if you don't know what Whamageddon is, just Google it. You'll love it. <laughs> um, you're probably still in if you don't know what the game is. <laughs> so uh, check that out. You guys, we'll be right back. Hey, Muller Junkies. Thank you so much to all of our new patrons. You're now eligible to join our closed Facebook group, so head over to Facebook, search for Friends of Justice, ask to join, and answer the questions, and you're all set. And you can now play for points in the Fantasy Indictment League. Just check the announcements section for the pinned post, verify the date, and post your five picks. The point structure and rules are all right there in the post. You have also unlocked all of our past bonus episodes. There's over 30 of them now. But you've also unlocked all of our previous book club episodes on Patreon. And you'll receive our weekly newsletter sent in the email address you registered with, which includes photos, infographics, announcements, and my personal research notes. It also includes instructions on how to drop your new private premium RSS feed into your podcast player. We're also working on posting the archive of newsletters on Patreon as well. If you're not yet a patron, you can become one for as little as a dollar. So head to MullerSheWrote.com and click subscribe today. And thank you again so much for supporting women in podcasting. All right, are you guys ready for the Fantasy Indictment League? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Because <laughs> Julie's like, yeah. And she's, yes. Uh-huh. It works. It reflects our personalities a little bit. <laughs> All right, guys. Give yourself one point for a Russian, plus one point for a plea agreement. Uh, two points for everyone who called a Butina plea agreement in time. Congratulations. Uh, if you called Butina without a plea agreement, you get no points. Sorry about that. Sorry. Um, <laughs> so for th- no gambling, uh, there's nothing. We're not doing anything. So for this week, I pretty much have no idea who to draft. Uh, it's clear that we don't know what Mueller is up to. Um, I thought stone indictments were going to come a couple weeks ago. Nothing. 
Uh, he, they could be waiting for that Miller thing to get through. Who knows what the delay is. But I'm going to go ahead and choose my team based purely on points this week. Points and dreams. Okay. So I'm going to go with Stone, Assange, Junior, Ivanka, and Kushner. And I also want to announce that we're adding a bonus pick now for the Fantasy Indictment League. You get 10 points if you can pick who the person is that's appealing Mueller in the super secret D.C. court battle that's going through the D.C. appellate court right now. Okay. I'm going to post a separate announcement on the Friends of Justice Facebook page. You can rep- It's just one announcement because this is only a one-time thing, right? You reply with your pick. And you can change that pick up until we get confirmation on who it is. Because sometimes news drops and you want to change your pick. Um, like I... I You'll hear on my argument in the interview later about who, who I think it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and once the news drops, I'll turn off comments, and your last pick is your final answer. And you get 10 points if you get it right. If you want to play, you got to sign up to be a patron at patreon.com slash MullerSheWrote for as little as 3 bucks, And stick around after Sabotage for our interview. Like I said, it's with Virginia Heffernan from TrumpCast. Uh, and it's all about the insanity that happened Friday at the D.C. Court of Appeals. Very nice. All right, who, who, who are you guys going with? Um, big fish, right? You think you're thinking big fish this week? <laughs> First of all, who's big fish? Did you mean Furtosh? <laughs> That'd be a funny nickname for someone. My head is um, so weird today. Yeah, I'm, I'm on a weird thing too. And maybe it's just you're you're all normal, and we're like, hey, it's the marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only difference, I think. Oh, Jordan's a little high, so maybe, eh, it's not just that. Just I a could little. be higher. <laughs> <laughs> That's my problem. I'm that zero wine. And it just throws me off. You're sober, yeah. yeah, but tonight that'll change. We'll get some wine tonight, I'm guessing. Right? I don't know. We'll see. Okay. We'll see how For it goes. dinner. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Okay, so I'm thinking Kush, Don Jr., Ivanka, Stone, and uh, I can't think between Corsi and Assange. I'm going to go with Corsi. Okay. Yeah. For a plea agreement? No. I wouldn't. Just regular, I would yeah. just do a Corsi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I still think he's going to Nunberg eventually, but... <laughs> I guess I'll keep him off for now. I'm going to go Stone, Assange, Kushner, DTJ, and a rando. Ooh, rando. Yeah. Nice. Maybe wrapped up in the Butina shit somewhere or something. I yeah. don't know. Could be. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm allowing Butina, even though it's not a Mueller investigation because it's Russian interference yeah, yeah. in the election. Uh, infiltration of the Republican Party, so I say it counts. There's overlap there for sure. Now, yeah. are you sure you want to go with Corsi? Because he just filed a lawsuit against Mueller. So he'll be a little while, is what you're thinking. Well... Who knows? Mueller However might just that be like, out. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what I got for you? Here's this. Yeah. He, Mueller, I was giving you the chance. I was dangling, please. Yeah. yeah. Mueller mm-hmm. might not wait for that stupid lawsuit to go anywhere. Right. Well, I usually do the rando- randos and it never worked out for me so far, which means <laughs> it's going to be your week for sure now. <laughs> I'm, I think I'm going to go with Assange then because we're still waiting for that, right? We're still yeah. any minute now. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Cool. We are. Did I, did I pick Assange too? You did. Yeah. yeah. All right. Cool. And you got him too, right, Jordan? Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, because I think that they can actually indict Assange separate from Stone. Mm. Just be like person one, person two, person like like not name yeah. him in there or redact the shit out of it. They yeah. have a sealed indictment as soon as he steps foot out of that goddamn embassy. I think that yeah, he has will a be mark like, on his head. They've got totally. like a guy on the phone like go go, and then like <laughs> unseal indictment, bam, and yeah. then extradite immediately. So the that hawk he can't, has like, left run the building. Away. Yeah, right. they got like a code word for him. <laughs> yeah, his cat is just left at the airport alone. The albino mole rat has landed. <laughs> All right, you guys ready for sabotage? Yes. Yes. And wouldn't you know it, you guys, right when I got off the phone with Elizabeth McLaughlin to cover the Trump inaugural story, uh, ProPublica comes out with news that Trump's inauguration lined the pockets of the Trump organization with Ivanka in the middle. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. 
Marsha! So after spending a year wondering where all the money went, uh, it may have gone to Trump, <laughs> which is probably a crime. Uh, turns out the inaugural fund, run by Tom Barrick, uh, he's the guy who introduced Manafort to Trump, and he's the guy. Yeah, the anti-Barack. Ran the RNC. <laughs> he was the finance chair of the inaugural committee, and he ran a couple super PACs as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, he paid the Trump organization for rooms, meals. Um, no, sorry. The inaugural fund paid the Trump organization for rooms, meals, and event space at Trump's downtown D.C. hotel, according to emails and receipts viewed by WNYC and ProPublica. Further, Ivanka was involved in negotiating the price, and a top inaugural planner emailed Ivanka to express concern that the hotel was overcharging. Trump Hotel was overcharging, and I'm worried what would happen, quote, when this is audited. Um, if they overcharged, that could be a violation of tax law. If you remember from our past reporting, about $50 million went unaccounted for. Enter, uh, in the inaugural fund, right? Right. Enter um, a Stephanie Wolkoff. She was one of the lead organizers of the inaugural and sent an email to Ivanka and Gates expressing discomfort with the prices that the Trump Hotel was charging, saying, quote, these, are, these events are in um, the president-elect's honor at his hotel, and one of them is for family and close friends. Please take into consideration that <laughs> when this is audited, it will become public knowledge as other... Oh, sorry, I thought she was dumb. I was dumb. I was reading wrong. Please take into consideration that when this is audited, it will become public knowledge as other locations would be provided to the inaugural for free. So Wolkoff also raised concerns about spending in a conversation with Michael Cohen. According to the Wall Street Journal's reporting, and federal prosecutors have a recording of that conversation, <laughs> uh, as you heard Elizabeth and I talking about. Uh, it was Wolkoff's firm that took that $26 million payment from the inaugural fund. She's um, Melania's friend. And people were like, $26 million? For what? <laughs> Obama's entire inauguration cost $58 million, and he had people you've actually heard of. <laughs> I never imagined Melania having a friend. She deserves a friend, but I never thought about her in a social element like that. <laughs> yeah. Probably more of a servant. Uh, additionally, some other vendors raised eyebrows when Gates asked them to take payments outside the normal committee invoicing process. Gates. Gates is involved in this mm. now. The punishment for this kind of crime is usually a fine with interest and penalties, like 25% penalty. Uh, I already have Ivanka on my fantasy indictment team, so this doesn't change my picks. Okay. Do you guys already have her? Yeah, I'm just going to put a little star next to her name now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just a little extra fuck you. Yeah, yeah. I don't have her, but I don't know if it's going to move that quickly, so I'm not going to put her on yet. All right, good call. But she's also, it's like, I kind of had her before, not for this, but I kind of had her for Trump Org before. Right. With that whole writing the checks for Pecker. Yeah. They're Pecker going checks. down sometime. <laughs> Pecker checks. That One sounds like something weeks. they probably do in the military. Pecker anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, it's time for the interview. So joining us today for the interview is the host of Slate's Trump cast. She's a contributing editor of Wired and a columnist at the LA Times. Uh, she's a national treasure. Everyone welcome Virginia Heffernan. Virginia, welcome to Mueller, she wrote. Thank you, AG. I'm so glad we're doing this. This is a um, turnabout because you were just on Trumpcast and uh, you were a huge hit. Thank you so much. I had a blast and I couldn't wait to get you on uh, our show so that uh, any of our listeners who hadn't yet uh, heard of you, I don't, although I don't know how that's possible, could, uh, could you know, uh, check you out because you... You know, you and I and other there, there's a whole group of us that have just been following this so closely from from the beginning uh, or for, at least in the early stages. And uh, I, I've been dying to have you on. So today I wanted to talk to you a little bit about um, this super super secret subpoena battle. It's been going on um, 
I remember we had a lot of reporting on it when I was trying to be on vacation. I was just looking back. October 31st is when Nelson Cunningham, a former federal prosecutor, is anyone not a former federal prosecutor except you and me? I just think I've decided that that's what everyone is, FFPs. Um, so Nelson Cunningham uh, opined, suggested in Politico on the 31st, 2018, October 31st, Halloween is, of course, an important date to all of us because it was a disaster in 2016, but we won't go back to that. Cunningham suggested that it might be Donald Trump fighting a subpoena from Robert Mueller in the super secret subpoena battle. Yep, and then Marcy Wheeler came out with her article saying, I'm not, I don't think it's Trump, and here's why. And she was saying that this, this doesn't actually have the alacrity and speed that everyone thinks it does because it's going just as fast as Andrew Miller's subpoena case is going. And actually the hearing is a little bit later, today actually, um, and, and that one was in November. But um, she just had a couple of arguments also that if it were Trump, we would have heard about it. It would have leaked somehow because his White House is just ridiculous. So I, that's kind of what I wanted to talk to you about, who you think it is. Well, I, okay, let's say there is one person who doesn't leak in the White House who I think about a lot. And he, he doesn't, because he doesn't leak, we don't talk about him because he's not one of the carnies and he's Emmett T. Flood the fourth acting White House counsel and also the president's defense impeachment defense attorney, if it comes to that. Um, and he's a very different sort than Giuliani. Giuliani, if Seth Abramson and others are to be believed, are basically campaign flack people for Trump, trying to keep him in office where he presumably is more difficult to indict. So now, is, he, is he the, the one, is he part of the story, and I think we reported on this too, that um, when, was it John Kelly was subpoenaed and, and Emmett Flood was like, no, you're going to have to prove that you have to talk to Kelly, and then Mueller apparently proved it because Kelly did go and talk to Mueller. Yeah, so this is like a very proceduralist thing to do That's like that sounds like Flood. Like he's going to, I don't know if you've had Ross Garber on your show, but He's sort of the only other committed impeachment lawyer because impeachment laws, you don't you don't do defenses for impeachments very often. Um, you know, obviously we haven't had many presidents, so Ross does governor's impeachments. And his point is that where someone like Giuliani either or you know either works for no money, and it's just the flash, and he's you know he's a criminal a criminal defense attorney like. Alan Dershowitz or, or the late Robert Shapiro, just wearing fancy suits doing that, where the impeachment defense attorney works for the people. He's taxpayer funded. He, his job is to defend the executive branch and the White House against threats to its integrity. And it's, it's at least 25% possible that Flood sees the threat to the integrity of the White House, looking ahead, wondering, is it a greater black eye for the country to have our president, super, a former president and supermax, or to have him get off in some way? And I honestly don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what's because we have to think about constantly that whatever we do now is going to set a precedent for any of this kind of behavior in the future. Yeah. I mean, it sends such a weird, either way, it's a signal. I mean, sometimes I think that it just would be devastating to our sense of justice not to have someone behind bars um, and not to have him behind bars. On the other hand, it is, it would be a new kind of 
humiliation visited on our country that we have to have a felon. You and I are both reporting, and we have been for a while, that um, we've talked about Mueller needing to interview Trump face-to-face on obstruction because you can't do a, a handwritten, you know, take-home test like he did for collusion for obstruction because you have to you have to get at intent and you have to do that, you know, through a face-to-face interview. And so it's interesting to me that we know that Emmett Flood uh, said no to about John Kelly and that Mueller was able to prove that that's the only way we can get this information and he won that battle. And now, like you said... We were expecting, I was kind of expecting a, a, a Trump subpoena a while back. And that's kind of what leads you down this road again. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I think in the Cunningham piece, what he what he reminded us of is all last summer and into the fall, uh, Giuliani was on television saying, we're talking to Mueller, we're negotiating with Mueller, and, you know, this is all going to work out, and it's a witch hunt, but it also, you know, we're going to put this to rest. And Trump wants nothing more than to testify and clear his name which is obviously bunk, except that there may have been a grain of truth to the negotiating. I just see it as, I mean, and I don't even want, I don't want to assume that it's Trump because they're like, it certainly could be someone else. And as you say, this went down with John Kelly. It could be another highly placed cabinet official, but, um, but if it is Trump, there were signs. We used to hear Giuliani talk a lot about dealing with Mueller. Now we don't. Um, And, the other part of that is that goes to the question of would they keep it secret is that I think flood, I'll tell you my fantasy. I think, I mean, flood is, flood is, you know, has a PhD in the humanities, which endears him to my heart. He's an actual scholar. He's not a, I mean, his, like his work is on narrative theory. Then at the same time, he's worked for the Clintons. He's worked for Bush. He's a, he's a proceduralist. He's an institutionalist. Um, you know, it's it seems significant to me that he has a the fourth after his name, like Mueller has a third after his name. Like the, these are, you know, the last of those waspy people that we're supposed to miss now that you know George Bush has died. Um, and he's he's not a reality show person. He's not a world wrestling entertainment person. He's um, he's scrupulous, and his client is are the American people and the the executive branch of the United States. And what he wants is a soft landing for all this so that that branch of government that we all have a stake in preserving stays preserved. Okay, that's long data point one. Data point two is there's some evidence that Ty Cobb, Trump's former lawyer in this role, and Mueller were back-channeling a little bit. Like, we have this really weird client. I mean, we have this really weird president, and we need to do something about this within the bounds of the law. And I just... I'm just convinced that in some ways Flood and Mueller are collaborating on a soft landing, or at least that's my fantasy. How can we like counsel him out? Yeah, that's really interesting because I was just talking to Elizabeth McLaughlin earlier today about the possibility of approaching Trump, Mueller approaching Trump and saying, hey, let's make a deal. You can keep all of your assets um, and, you know, in, in exchange, I get a resignation out of you. We soft land this whole thing. I mean, it seems really, it seems it's in the people's interest. I mean, Mueller and Flood are both, you know, they're both paid by taxpayers and they, they should want what's best for the country. And I, I hope they do. I I mean, God, I don't want him to keep all his assets though. 
don't you think it's good for this country to have his assets frozen? I think it's in the interest of the American people, don't you, AG? I do. I would love to take over Trump Tower and just make it a big artist yeah. commune. Uh, exactly. <laughs> like, make it a, a, sanctu- a series of sanctuary towers across the globe for refugees. That's my idea. And taco trucks and taco trucks out front all the time. Um, yeah. Yeah. So to, I guess today at the courthouse, because we had we had learned back in September, October, that uh, the hearing on this secret subpoena was going to be December 14th. And we were all like, "Yay, we're going to find out because that's a public hearing. And then we find out that that's going to be behind closed doors and closed session. And now we find out today that we had, you know, there were people on the ground all around staking out this courthouse trying to see who was going in and out. And they sealed off the entire floor and they pushed the press off to one side of the building where they couldn't see, presumably, the entrance and exit. But I guess CNN noted that uh, uh, 10 minutes after the court activity uh, wrapped up, a big black Justice Department car rolled into Mueller's office uh, carrying Dreben and Ahmad. Uh, you know, and uh, yes, Ahmad Zainab. These are like the um, you know Beyonce and Jay Z of the of Mueller's room, like uh, <laughs> Ahmad Zainab, who prosecuted. Uh, you know, was a New York prosecutor after nine eleven, superhero, and uh, Michael Dreben, who's just his name inspires awe in all, you know, in all uh, federal prosecutors. Um, apparently, he has just this encyclopedic understanding of everything from like maritime law of the 1890s up till you know how to flip a mobster or whatever um so yes and so so the fangirls the the stands that love the Mueller team were definitely um had their tails wagging when when uh Zainab Ahmed and uh, Ahmed no Zainab Ahmed right her last name is Ahmed um and Michael Dreben walked by Mm-hmm. yeah so that just is another point that it is Mueller, uh, and the grand jury was there, uh, and or not, you know, maybe not Mueller himself, but Mueller's team and the grand jury was there, and that this is so, it's so important that this keep under wraps, and that goes along with what you're talking about, how it's just important for our democracy that this entire thing lands softly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, our better angels has as who called it our better angels or or in hatch um but uh <laughs> um should want you know none of us wants to see the executive branch you know we don't have that leaves us a two-legged stool we if the executive branch goes up in flames like we don't want to scrap all of this we really don't and you know on the right we don't want to turn it over to to like a soft coup run by you know unelected generals so um so, I, you know, I don't think it's time for either torches or some, you know, crazy internal, re, you know, re- resistance detente. Um, I don't think either one of those will save us. Hopefully, we're, we'll just, you know, we'll be a nation of laws, not men. And the laws will also be the laws that protect the White House, not, you know, not the ones that protect Donald Trump or the weird loopholes that he's used to protect himself Michael Cohen and NDAing everyone who works for him so they work in his Omerta syndicate. That's not what we're talking about when we talk about a nation of laws. Um, but, you know, hopefully it'll be people committed to the interests of the American people and, yes, find a soft landing. But wait, I want a differential diagnosis from you on who you think the person fighting his subpoena or her subpoena might be, if not Donald Trump. Oh, who would it be besides Trump? 
initially I thought it would be somebody in the same realm as Miller. Um, but that was before it became so super secret. Um, and Miller's did not. They obviously, you know, there was a fork in the road. <laughs> and the, the secret subpoena battle took the the road less traveled. Uh, so, I, you know, I was thinking it could possibly be um, like John Kelly. It could be McGann. Uh, but McGann has been cooperating. And so there would be no need for a subpoena. Um, and he's also represented by Burke, who represents Priebus and Bannon. So it's not those guys because they, they all have to kind of be in agreement in order for Burke to be the lawyer for all three of them. So it really just brought me back to Trump or Pence. Yeah. Pence, right. Can we go to Pence for a second? Because Seth Abramson just said on our show that he, he thinks Pence is getting off scot-free. I don't know. I've not, I'm not sure I, I know what you think on that. It's hard because Pence has been so insulated from all of this. Uh, as as the, And the physical manifestation of that came true in that White House meeting with uh, Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi, where he just sat there like Weekend at Bernie's. and uh, Unbelievable, that robot face. <laughs> he did nothing. Uh, and that's kind of how I, f- like that to me is the physical manifestation of his role in this entire Russia investigation. He was the head of the transition team. There is no way in my mind that he could not have had knowledge of Michael Flynn's son, um, you know, which he refused to answer directly about, you know, having a security clearance request put in or uh, any of the – and we all know Mueller has all of the transition emails that he got from the GSA because the guy that Trump installed to help insulate them was died. And so he wasn't there yeah. anymore. Um, and yeah. I just can't imagine that, that he has nothing to do with this and we haven't heard anything and it's been kept so secret. And that's why I'm like maybe this is the secret subpoena battle because that's just all – in that super secret insulated Pence world. Uh, but I couldn't, I couldn't in my mind uh, kind of connect how Pence would be subpoenaed unless it was about something specifically about Russia contacts, core to the Mueller investigation during the transition or obstruction. Yeah. Like the, like the Flynn call, like the Mar-a-Lago Flynn calls with Kislyak or the, you know, freelancing on national security that, that, freestyling on national security that Flynn did while Obama was still president during the transition. Um, I mean, it, 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 let me remember, did Pence not go to Mar-a-Lago? Was there some ways that he has cautiously kept his Christian distance from things? But we still suspect that he knew. Yeah, from my understanding, he wasn't there. From my understanding, he, he kept himself far, far away from all of it, physically and, you know, uh, I guess, figuratively speaking. Mother said you're not spending New Year's Eve with those dissolute Mar-a-Lago people um, talking to Russians. Not my Mikey. Um, (laughs) But, you know, then there's that other thing where Manafort chose Pence. I mean, Pence, you know, one thing I think we've been seeing a bit of, and I know you've already talked about um, Maria Butina, I just learned her pronunciation, Um, but um, is the is the sort of evangelical NRA connection that sometimes the tr- Trump is using evangelicals to kind of whitewash him. And it could have been that Manafort as a savvy political operative was like Trump has a weak flank as a thrice married, you know, chronic obsessive adulterer. He's going to have trouble with evangelicals. We need Pence. But it, or it could be possible that he's just filthy himself in some level, like, the Falwell kid or, you know, some of the gang at Liberty University. So he was easily bought or 
bribed or blackmailed. Yeah, or, you know, maybe he was part of the RNC hack or perhaps, um, you know, he took Russian money. I think there's reports that his brother did in Indiana. I mean, it's... I really just don't know. This is the one part of the investigation that they've been just able to keep under wraps. And so that's why I'm like, maybe it's Pence. But I think I think I think I'm kind of but I can't make that connection, that subpoena connection with Pence. But, you know, other than those two things, I I had mentioned obstruction and, and, um, you know, Russian involvement in the in the transition during the transition, uh, which Mueller would have and Mueller would know. And so that could be it. But, um, you know, that whole you know, your whole idea about it being Trump and having uh, Bob Mueller wanting to work with Emmett Flood and others uh, high up in our government to make sure that this, you know, doesn't crack the democracy wide open is a very good a very good point to take. I think. Um, I will say that the other thing I've learned from the impeachment defense lawyer Ross Garber is the first thing you want <clears throat> if you're defending, if you're you know you're you're standing for the the office of the governor or the office of the president. The first thing you want to do is make sure your client does not testify or sorry, the occupant, the occupant of your client, which is the White House itself, doesn't testify because politicians lie. And they also every one of them, but most notably Trump, think that they're so charismatic that they can manipulate prosecutors, which, uh, you know, I mean, all of us would love to see a showdown between the infinitely not charismatic Donald Trump and the infinitely rational Robert Mueller. Like, you just want to see them across from each other and Trump try to squirm his way out of it. It'd just be very satisfying, I think. I just feel like Manafort, or Mueller would just stare at him. Yeah. I don't think it would be like a Nancy Chuck um, discussion. It would just be him, like, letting him go until he shuts up and then maybe saying something of import and then just staring at him like, you are just a buffoon. I'm not sure. I'm glad you brought up Nancy, though. I mean, I don't want to turn the tables too much, but but Pence, if we're talking about Pence and the and the the you know, I guess fairly marginal possibility that he'll be out too with Trump, um, that would leave us with President Pelosi. Do you ever think about it? it? I do, but I can't figure out how it would be possible that both Pence and Trump would leave office at the exact same time in a manner in, in such that that Pence wouldn't leave first and Trump would get to appoint another VP or vice versa. It just seems like. How would they both leave at exactly the same time? <laughs> well, she definitely seems to be suiting up for some moment in, in the spotlight. For something. That coat was fabulous. I want one. It really was. They're reissuing it from Max Mara. Oh. Oh, well, I have to get one. Yes, now. the Pelosi coat. <laughs> totally. Oh, it's going to be like $8 million. Watch. I was just reading up on Nancy Pelosi. Did you know her? Her mother's. she's the first Italian immigrant to... Uh, you know, lead a, be the House Speaker, um, first Italian American of either gender, and she also is. Um, she also her mother is from a, like an ancient Italian family of knife makers. Like they make the best knives. So I feel like she is ready to shiv. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I take away from that. That's very symbolic. I love it. All right. Well, uh, I really appreciate you coming on today, talking to me about this super, super secret subpoena battle. I've been it's been killing me. And I was so sad to learn that this that today's proceedings were going to be behind closed doors. And they seem to do a good job of hiding it. But we do know I think we can we can all go know, And we've kind of known this from Politico reporting. That it does have to do with Mueller and his grand jury. So we'll keep an eye on it. Presumably we'll figure out what it was unless it's all subsumed in this, you know, um, plot to 
you know, create a soft landing for everything. Who knows? But uh, tell everyone where they can uh, find your podcast and, and follow you on Twitter. Um, I am at page 88, just page 88. And um, Trumpcast is followable at Real Trumpcast on Twitter. All right, great. Well, thank you again, everybody. Virginia Heffernan. Thank you, A.G. All right, guys, that is our show today. As always, with all of our interviews, you can hear the extended versions, the Supermax remixes, <laughs> the EPs, uh, by becoming a patron, um, going to patreon.com slash wrote Any level you subscribe at, you're automatically, um, you get access uh, to those bonus episodes. You unlock all of the past bonus episodes. You get newsletters with the show notes, my research notes. Like, it's 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 legit. It's not, I'm, I like it. It's dope, Yeah. So yeah. Also, leave us a review on iTunes, please. Oh, oh yeah, and subscribe. We've been doing some great ones. Yeah. Oh yeah, we should read some of those. It's like when we don't have so much news. Oh yeah, good point. Today's a really yeah. Like when Wait. the Mueller investigation is all over, we'll just do nothing but read reviews. A whole episode of just reviews. That's, cool. that's just what jerking ourselves off at that point. <laughs> if there are any trolls listening, please leave one because that's where you really shine. Oh gosh, <laughs> and like then we get a lot. Air. See, we tell our fans that we like the one reviews, and then they actually do give us one star reviews, and it just breaks my heart. So maybe we shouldn't tell them we want it because they'll do it. No, in fact, it, the, the reason we read the one-star reviews is in hopes that you guys will go, fuck that, and exactly. you'll go and leave nice reviews. Which happens, right. too. It's been happening more lately. Because that's yeah. what I do when when I read shitty reviews of stuff that I love. I'm like, no, I'm going to counter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're really pulling back the curtain here. Yeah. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> you guys know it all now. <laughs> How tall are you, Jordan? Five foot ten. There you go. Oh, wow. Thank She's you. the tallest. The yeah, with my fro, I'm about five ten. Yeah. Hell yeah, dude, we're tall ladies. Yeah, woohoo! How All tall right. are you, Ag? Uh, five seven. Now everyone and three knows. quarters. All oh, about three quarters. Really. Three quarters. Yeah. <laughs> if I stand up straight. Mm-hmm. Cool. Anyway, uh, we're we're gonna. Be, this has been a really enlightening uh, wrap up. Oh yeah. Um, that interview was so fun though that uh, I did with Virginia. So yeah, check yeah. out um, Slate's Trumpcast. Such a good show. Yeah, amazing. And uh, again, subscribe to us on iTunes if you haven't. Follow us on Twitter uh, at Muller She Wrote. Instagram is the same. Mm-hmm. Facebook, Friends of Justice. If you're a patron, I don't really have anything else to say. Do you guys have anything else to say? We love you guys. That's yeah, true. We do. We really do. You're the best podcast audience in all of mm-hmm. podcast audience history. Yeah. Keep sending Muller good vibes. Yes. yes. And thoughts and prayers. I think that's really what's like your Muller candles. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. If anyone wants to send him some Rancho Gordo beans, I'm sure he'd be really into it. Mm-hmm. Oh. We should have a big bean feast after this. Invite <laughs> Muller. Yeah. yeah, I think that that would be. You know what? No beans. Can I, I have lentils? Actually, well, <laughs> I'm not eating them either way. I just want to be there You're for so the festivities. Funny. You're so funny. These are like the best beans in all of the land. I bet. Yeah, I, I do believe you. I imagine that at some point we're gonna have like this like. Put some beans on it, and you pull like this lever above <laughs> yeah. your head, and like uh, just a whole giant, like Double Dare two thousand or whatever, just pile a bunch of, of slime. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. If and Trump were buried, yes. If Trump gets impeached, will you eat vegetables? I will do that if Trump gets impeached. Hell yeah, yeah. guys! Let's Ooh. get Julissa healthy. Let's. Yes. <laughs> this is the whole reason to do this now. <laughs> yes, yes. If he gets impeached, I won't die young. So that's a good cause. Yeah. Keep Julissa alive. <laughs> <laughs> Impeach Trump. <laughs> <laughs> you guys this has been awesome please check out our bonus episodes this week we've got one chapter left of the msw book club so check it out and then we're going to move on to uh, mccabe's book when it drops in february it's going to be awesome thank you so much for listening i've been ag i've been Julissa johnson i've been jordan coburn and this is muller she wrote
Muller She Wrote is produced and engineered by AG with editing and logo design by Jaleesa Johnson. Our marketing consultant and social media manager is Sarah Lee Steiner, and our subscriber and communications director is Jordan Coburn. Fact-checking and research by AG, and research assistance by Jaleesa Johnson and Jordan Coburn. Our merchandising managers are Sarah Lee Steiner and Sarah Hirschberger Valencia. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios, and our website is MullerSheWrote.com. Hi, I'm Dan Dunn, host of What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn, the most wildly entertaining adult beverage-themed podcast in the history of the medium. That's right, the boozy best of the best, baby. And we have the cool celebrity promos to prove it. Check this out. Hi, I'm Allison Janney, and you're here with me on What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. And that's my sexy voice. Boom. Boom is right, Academy Award winner Allison Janney. As you can see, celebrities just love this show. How cool is that? Hey, this is Scotty Pippen, and you're listening to The Dan Dunn Show. And wait, hold on. The name of the show is what? All right, sure. Scotty Pippen momentarily forgot the show's name, but there's a first time for everything. Hey, everyone. This is Scoot McNary. I'm here with Dan Dunn on What Are You Drinking? What's it called again? Fine, twice. But famous people really do love this show. Hi, this is Will Forte, and you're, for some reason, listening to What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. What do you mean for some reason, Will Forte? What's going on? Hi, this is Kurt Russell. Listen, I escaped from New York, but I couldn't get the hell out of Dan Dunn's happy hour. Please, send help. Send help? Oh, come on, Kurt Russell. Can somebody out there please help me? I'm Dita Von Tees, and you're listening to What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. <laughs> Let me try one more time. Come on. Is that oh, right? Sorry. What We're no, Drinking? It's amazing. It's, it's, it's amazing. Right it's just... Is it right? Ah, that's better. So be like Dita Von Teese, friends, and listen to what we're drinking with Dan Dunn, available wherever you get your podcasts. MSW Media. Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn-in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I step off the plane, and there is a van with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, Welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis' first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA. As a first-time lawyer, I want to act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler... How much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary... They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry. We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said, show me in a courtroom how we were at war. 
expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is lawyers, guns, and money. So you have a man in Armani suit standing in the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch. You will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th, or get it ad-free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. Subscribe now.